0: everyone welcome back to another episode of Yo D B Raps I'm your host Leo HF as always but we are bringing a first today we have our very first South American drum and bass artist joining us on the show today he is actually one of the most streamed most downloaded artists in drum and bass doesn't get as much press and coverage in the UK except he is flying around all over the world touring he's just brought out an enormous album called Superstars. It's doing the rounds with everybody. Some huge support. You're probably knowing better by the visuals you're about to see. This is Zardonic. How are you doing, buddy?
1: How are you guys doing? Thank you so much for joining in. <laughs> All right, can I take this off now?
0: Yeah, take off the mask. Take off the mask. <laughs> Thank you
1: for that. Over the man behind the mask is not so disappointing to the yeah. audience.
0: But that's it. Most people are are literally only gonna ever see that mask and that jacket, aren't they? So give them the proper introduction, show that we've got the authentic sardonic in the house. Yeah. And hopefully introduce you to a new generation of drum and bass in the UK as well. That's what we're aiming to do today.
1: For sure, man. Well, again, anyone who's interested, I appreciate it for sure. Like it's been it's been a long run. Uh, tough sometimes, easier some of the times, you know, it's it's a never ending roller coaster if you want to pursue a music career in any genre. But I think especially with drum and bass, given that it has such a low ceiling, you know, like it's, it's it's still a very underground genre. So, you know, if anything, I'm I'm glad that there's people out there that are you know happy with the music that I do, if it gives them something positive
0: yeah for sure i mean the numbers don't lie as well and uh we're going to get into a lot of the music stuff today i wanted to kind of start at the beginning because this is the first time we've had a proper face-to-face we've been chatting on long for quite a little while as well so it's nice to finally see you in person and studios looking very nice back there lots of uh, hardware and equipment and the guitar yeah. there's the 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 zardonic sound is there in the background as we say
1: yeah yeah i mean uh... Man, I actually I, I wish I, I could um that's my next goal at some point when the tour is over. Uh because the suit is a mess right now. It's uh, it, it still looks so right on camera, I guess. Like it's it's but that doesn't really matter when you're doing music. Like sound doesn't care how it looks like. It it applies to everything. Doesn't matter if you're doing with something digital or with a hardware synth. Um, so you know, I got this amazing toys that allowed me to get uh, like a plethora of uh, you know a lot of variety in my sonic palette so to say um but as of right now there are so many things in between like there's documents and stuff i gotta sort out and, and this this guitar i got right here is like in front of one of the synths it's a pain to actually use any of this right now because because there's there's a lot of cluttering happening in between so that's my next goal like when the tour is over maybe do it a little bit of a of a makeover nothing too over the top just you know just just uh yeah put a bit more of order in it so i can start using them more for the next record
0: yeah how many producers say that though i'm gonna tidy my studio i'm gonna tidy my studio it'll get done it'll get done and you put it back and back and back so i don't think you're alone there buddy i, I think we all suffer with that quite a bit don't we say so, and i can see some classic stuff back there as well with the uh the instruments back there and the keyboards You got some real classic sounds there haven't you you've been collecting all that stuff for a while then some are quite old
1: it's um well i mean some of them are you know there's a virus ti2 the polar edition but funny enough i actually got it um it was sort of recently ish i think it was somewhere in the middle of a pandemic uh because um like back then you know when i when i started working with music all i had was an m audio controller like a really, really uh, the, the, the cheaper line, you know, the one that has, I don't know, 61 keys and that's all. And 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 I had that on the computer. That's all I was doing music with. Like back then when I was doing, I, I know you had, that, you know, the, the more classic sardonic tracks that some of the newer fans haven't had access to. But, you know, times of of Policia, you know, the, the first tracks that I released that some that made some sort of an impact in 2008, mm-hmm. all I had was a MIDI controller and a computer uh, and that was it. Yeah. Then I slowly started getting into I had no idea how to really handle synthesis back then it was just me fiddling with knobs until something made some sense to me and then I slowly started learning you know f- f- proper synthesis I started basically now I know what I'm doing whenever I'm I'm fiddling with any of those knobs now I design with intention um, and one of the things that helped me learn that was working with hardware synths i mean it, i don't don't ask me why it just didn't dawn on me when i was using digital synths uh, i just did not understand the interface like what is this oscillator lfo i was completely confused and uh, and i'm a bit stubborn i don't i don't like theory I, I i just can't when someone's like trying to explain something to me it just becomes way more confusing so the best way for me to discover that was maybe um, get a hardware synth and then and then discover on my own. Don't ask me why, because the interface is similar to a to a to a VST. But it just that was the way it dawned on me Hmm. as as, as I'm as I'm moving the knobs, uh, like as I'm touching them, that that's when I had those eureka moments. Oh, okay, this is what an envelope does. This is what. What an LFO is doing. Okay, and then and then I just went back and and I started making all these sounds that I was so happy with, and and eventually that turned into me actually working on factory presets for Arturia, for G 4 software, which is something that I never really saw myself doing. I was just I, I never thought of myself to to be capable of doing any of that. And then people started to actually like ask me, hey, we, we like that sound. Like, would you like to? To do some presets for us, and then you know it started getting more and more and more, and now I'm, you know, it's a never-ending rabbit hole. That's why you now see all these synths because it's yeah. it's, it's like now I want to, um, I I, fe- I feel like like now I know what to do with the synths, and it, and it gets me where I want to go.
0: Yeah, it's, it's it's like the practical isn't it I'm I'm very much the same you know if somebody gives me a piece of paper written down instructions I've got no chance in following it but when I get into the practical and use my hands and get stuck in there it all becomes a little bit more apparent and I probably learn a lot quicker as well so I fully get where you're going with that I can see a few yeah. other things on your other shoulder as well some of these keyboards what do you have uh, on the other side
1: on this side or on the other side
0: yeah yeah no you're right the first one
1: so over here I've got um a GRP synthesizer A2 by yeah by, by the Italian company GRP Synthesizer. I went to to a I forgot the name of the music convention, but it was it was a, a you know something like a smaller NAM, so to say, mm-hmm. happening in Rome. Um and they had a lot of really cool things. And I saw this and was like, whoa, this sounds great. Like, what is this? And and then apparently it's a it's a bit of a boutique company and they've They've got i don't know uh clients like john michel jar or whatever like this he's got like a bunch of them and i was like hey this is cool and, and the price seemed okay for what it was like it, it, it didn't seem uh too overpriced it was still a bit steep but you know i saved a little and i got that one uh no discounts no favors no sardonic, and i'll do a post and get some <laughs> likes for that sometimes people are nice enough to do that and uh but but i try to you know i try to make sure that whenever i'm collaborating with a brand it's it's completely free of uh you know i try to keep it as as free of bias as possible basically if i if i deal if i if i play a synth that i don't like it i don't even entertain the conversation no. it has to be authentic first um the next one is an arturia mi- uh, mini brute but i I had someone modify it for me so I, we got rid of the keyboard and uh, he built like a small casing around it. it looks really nice. The next one is a bit of a rarity these days especially because of what's going on right now uh with the uh, you know with the whole Russia and Ukraine situation. Um that's a Polybox. It's a it's a desktop edition the 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 new one, you know they did like 100 units of them only. Uh I think you can still buy one that I found on on a German store, I would recommend anyone to buy that. You know, like none of these people are associated with any government, Russian government companies or any funds. They're not. You know, they're not on the. It's a safe buy, right there. Non-political
0: so, hardware. <laughs> it's it's non-political
1: hardware. There you go. <laughs> and I mean, I've always been a huge fan of the sound of the Polyvox. I, I I really like the 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 rawness of it the sort of wrong character that it had because that's what it was it was a filter that wasn't working properly because you know what what the idea of a filter that was working properly was a filter with something such as the the latter filter character like you know the the Moog. it was very clean and then and then other types of filters came out uh, uh, slowly but the the polybox filter basically is 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 a complete it's a complete mess if you put all the resonance all the way up it just it just goes into uh it doesn't even self oscillate it's not clean it's not a clean sound at all it's all just goes into um it basically creates all this sort of feedback type of sound uh and it's unstoppable it's it's like it's alive and (laughs) that's actually the beauty of it so I've always been a fan of the original, and when I found that, I, I got one for myself. Then the, back then, you know, and I think this was in 2017 and, and or 2018, I think. I think it was 2017 when I already had it. Um, and then there is a classic, you know, Novation Ultra Nova. A lot of people hate on this thing because, oh, you know, they said the Supernova sounded better. The, the Ultra Nova is the next step. I, I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was like Novation screwed up the marketing or a, this is a great synth. It sounds amazing and it's so underpriced. Like you can get them for what, like a couple hundred these days. People just treated them like they were like they were choice. And it's a great synth. It's a great performance synth. I love it. I would definitely recommend it to to anybody out there, especially if they want to start with synthesis and they want to get something cheaper. A couple hundred pounds, and you'll get one of those. And, and it's a great synth. I mm-hmm. think it's a really great synth, and and then there's the the Moog Subsequent 37, the Sub 37, which well, you know, the, the, I I always felt like I needed to have at least one Moog in the in the studio because I love the sound, I love that character. It's a, it's a beautiful character. And This is my favorite of them because it's the um, it's the most um it's the heavier sounding of them, I would say. Yeah uh next to maybe you know the the moke one which is an absolute beauty and a monster but that's to me that's overkill and it's a nice to have but it's not eight grand nice to have i'm not saying it's not worth what it is because i know that there's there's a lot of effort behind the synth like that but to me it's like okay no this is you know this is where i'm just trying to save money for down payments i can get my own house i can get out of this you know rent hell that most people in <laughs> Europe have to live with <laughs> and maybe I'll think about getting no. something like that but yeah
0: yeah I've never I've never owned a, a Mogum fortunately but that one is like that's like one of the most recognizable ones when you see that that kind of wooden top and things like that you know exactly what it is don't you from a mile yeah. off always yeah. recognizable what what would you say your music is it, it, from hardware to software ratio wise at the minute when you're making your tracks how much of it would you say is hardware as opposed to software
1: uh, that depends on the time and the schedule uh because that's the thing you know when when you're working with hardware it, it requires a bit of extra love a bit of extra time you know you, you have to sit down design at least in my case I'm um most of the time I don't uh
0: so you've been a bit more know. inventive when you're using the hardware you're taking a bit more time with it to invent sounds more and exactly and, more. I, and I
1: don't like most factory presets in most hardware synthesizers I mm. think that um, only, the only way I know the capabilities of a synthesizer is if I am if I get my hands on it. So I, 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 I'm always pushing it to the limits, and then I go down from there. Mm. Um, I've seen that too many you know factory presets in a lot of hardware synths are very like bread and buttery kind of sounds, and I'm like I don't I don't need any more of that. Mm. So I'm, I'm trying to be like how can how can this specific modulator take uh, you know take this into a place that it hasn't been before. So to say um and that takes some time Uh, so i've made you know some of them have preset recall some of them don't uh so i try to i try to use the you know the i try to design presets as much as i can and if it's and if it there's no if there's no preset recall then well uh, that means that you got to sit down and you do something and you record it and that's it yeah it's gone that's the beauty of it, so you know it, it does require a bit more time uh so what I do is I try to create some sort of um let's say some sort of sample packs uh something that I can that I can then take into the door like I'll take a day or two just just fiddling with sound, sometimes it's just experimental, sometimes it's intentional like i'm going to make some some bass here and, and this preset's good and this is this would make a great pad this is an, a noise that i like this I can, i'm getting some loops from here and then i create those packs and i take those sounds then into into well, whatever projects i'm working on if they work and if they don't then i'm using them for something else later um that's also well, that's something that I started to do as well uh, in in the early 2010s because because I realized I I wanted to have more of my own personal sound even if it meant you know not knowing too much or fiddling around but I but I, it just took me more time of course because I didn't know what I know now about synthesis but I wanted to find sounds that would just make sense to to my ears and to my style so I had already done the uh, I, I had already a similar approach when I was working with with VSTs, uh, but now that I have now that I have more intention when I'm when my when, when my hand reaches the knob, um, it's a bit faster. But I but then I found out that it's just it's so much faster to work with VSTs and so much more convenient, you know, because you don't have one synth, you can have a copy of it and just many copies of it as your computer can handle. So it's definitely a benefit. So that's why I'm not very. You know whenever i have to like pick a team i'm out hmm. a team red and team blue and let's all kill each other because i like analog sense and you like digital sense that's retarded i hate it it's a part of of the human experience that i absolutely uh ab- abhor oh yeah
0: you give <laughs> you know. somebody an internet connection they're going to show their opinion aren't they that's that's always going to be the case so
1: you you're, you're going to find a plenty of those arguments on there yeah, but you know, I mean I think it's completely fine to have an opinion. I'm just saying it's you know manners, man. It's that simple. Just yeah. having a little bit of, of uh and I'm I'm not saying I'm probably also not like the, the, the best mannered guy out there, but I think there are ways to you could also have great manners and be a total dick. You know, you, you could you could still be a gentleman about the way you insult somebody. Yeah. But I'm, well, all, I'm... all
0: of these discussions are always going to be a lot different in person as well, aren't they? Like I said, you you give somebody an internet connection and it's, it's completely different. That barrier where you're talking to your screen, manners goes out the window, yeah. uh, and obviously you're always going to have your rants and things like that. But you put somebody in person. It's a completely different kettle of fish, as this idea. For sure,
1: for sure. I mean, I'm guilty of the same, you know, especially when I I was on whatever online forums, I'm pretty sure I've said a bunch of shit that (laughs) I shouldn't have said just because I wanted to get a reaction from people or just because I wanted to troll people or just because I wanted to piss people off. And then you look back and you're like, man, that was so unnecessary. So I try to look at, you know, whenever I see hating comments or whatever, I try to look at that with the same with the same importance that I would look uh, at my own comments whenever back in the day, because it really is just, it's it's like brain farts. You know, yeah. people people will just put this out there and, well, I don't need to keep it, so I delete whatever I can that is not positive from my socials. Yeah. Um, I'll respect an opinion that is said to me in a, you know, in a... Uh, in a humane manner so to say yeah. and uh and that's fine I'm, I'm okay with that but most of the time you know if i ever catch someone just just being a total dick about about yeah. their opinion then it's just just delete, ban out i don't care it's my page you know yeah
0: I, I i can i can say i've been privy to that as well i mean if i go on some of the old forums that I used to go on like dogs on acid and happy just things like that and i go back to really old posts on there you're like oh my god did i actually write that but i think um i think i think like you're saying being very aware of what you say now that probably comes with obviously you being more popular nowadays and the scrutiny is on you so you see what other people are doing and you kind of you probably get a little bit more wise to that and how you should react from now on because you see the bad way you're doing it don't you?
1: yeah but at the same time uh, it also i think it i think that's not i think we're not free in that regard no I think uh, that we are going too much to the other extreme. You know, we we can't go from being completely unhinged and then say all sorts of of all sorts of mean things to to the other way. You know, uh, as an episode, I forgot the name of it, but it's a very key episode that I watched when I you, you probably watched Black Mirror. Yes, 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 yes. I, I forgot what was the episode where you know where basically whole all of society is. Is um mesh so say like regulated by the amount oh, yeah. of social score that you have. You get a social goal,
0: they, I think they got this uh running in actually China at the minute as well. This kind of like a social oh, no, no,
1: goal. no, make no mistake, this is running in the entire planet. As long as the thing is, maybe in China it's a bit more obvious. But, like, right now, we are doing it to each other. You know, people are judged based on how many likes they've got, how many streams they've got, how many, like, you know, because we've always sort of judged that way as well. Maybe we just didn't have, um, before maybe it was, like, CD sales or, or Mm -hmm. like, or, I don't know, some king hired this guy to do this great piece of art, and because of that, then they are famous whatever. There was always some some prestige yeah. linked to, well, to that. But... Is an, there is an official thing,
0: though, in China. Sorry, I just actually looked it up as well. It's um the social credit system. How okay. It. Yeah. So they've actually, I mean, a lot of these Black Mirror episodes, I think there's a couple that have really just come to life. It's almost like a prediction of the future, which is what it's set out to be. But, yeah, I mean, like you say, we do do that to each other. But in China, there is, like, an official social credit system based on certain things and... If you, mental. if you if you fall lower you can't get loans and things like that and yeah
1: absolutely crazy mental man i mean on. if you think <laughs> if you think about it the, the last part that moment when, when you know when when this woman finally falls in jail because her social score went went to hell and then in front of her there's a there's another guy and then they just start insulting each other and telling each other all sorts of wrong things and then they just scream at each other Fuck you. When I saw that, I was like, dude, that's it. Like it's that was not meant to be like the way I saw that is like those guys at, at that moment, they were free, even if they were in a in a little jail, they were just like free to just speak their minds without any filter without. which also sometimes I think is the other extreme. We should we should be a bit more mindful of our actions. But, you know, Having to to basically just you know walk on eggshells around society. That's that's like, that's like it's, it's like a whole of society is now a, a, a big as borderline society. You can't say anything. You can't defend anybody. And they just come and they come up with all this uh, uh, I don't know with those these new notions that really, in my opinion, just make no sense. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to fight anybody or I'm going to 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 try to stone anyone to death just because you know they they have you know a different opinion than i do i don't care how people choose will choose to live their lives and what opinions they have and what party they want to vote for i don't vote myself i i, I don't believe in any of that. I, that that's my opinion you know what i'm saying so i th- i think that's the problem we're 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 always swinging between these extremes and and i think we should just go back to Learning to trust and respect each other a little more as opposed to, you know, putting everything in a, in a tiny box and and the color and a party and your left and your are right. And, and, and you're, a, I don't know, uh, a, a conservative or how do you call the other side? The the
0: uh, oh, you've lost me completely. I've just lost. You know what I'm saying? Self. Like, I know, in yeah, the yeah. UK
1: you know, they, they have it's like in the in the US, they they call them lip tarts. Yeah, wow. liberal.
0: Liberal. Yeah, they're liberals, liberal. and then
1: they call them liptards, and then the conservatives are the conservatives. Like that's it, <laughs> and that's the end of the discussion. There's no point in sitting down and figuring out like how all these differing opinions can meet, and mm. but that's always that's always been a big thing in my life. Don't ask me why. I've, I've been it's almost almost like a passion obsession of mine to. To try to find people that would very unlikely be friends, and just figure out what the things in common are, because we have to live with each other, whether we like it or not.
0: I think I think that's a big American thing as well, isn't it? As conservative and and liberal, for some reason, they almost will not even associate with each other. Like the, you, I've seen people that won't get into relationships when they find out their political beliefs and things like that. I've I've seen a lot of that line. It is crazy, isn't it? Say, I mean. Yeah. You're you're always going to have a difference of opinion or belief, but just because you fall into one of these two factors, you cannot be with that other person. It's it's almost like a like 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 it used to be in racial things as well, isn't it? In Europe, yeah. it's, it's kind of a similar similar thing, you know. But we're going on a going on a tangent with that there a little bit. Yeah, my maybe, bad. Maybe feel free to bring it
1: back. <laughs> oh, that's all
0: right. But we, we yeah we'll bring it back in. I mean something very relevant as well because I wanted to talk about cultural differences because obviously you're from Venezuela and I'm gonna. I'm gonna put the uh, elephant in a room out there. The first time we spoke about this, I was like, "All oh, right, you're from Brazil." <laughs> I was like, "Venezuela in Brazil," and you're like, "Lee, what the fuck are you talking about?" But, Mike, listen, right? I, I was, I was even dating a Brazilian girl once, and um, I used to think the same thing, and she never pulled me on it. You're the first person to pull me on this. But where this actually comes from, I wanted to explain myself. When you look at a map, a world map when you look at south america in big bold letters it doesn't say south america it says brazil that's true so for me in my head all of that was brazil and venezuela and and colombia they were all part of brazil so for some reason it just didn't didn't compute because i never got pulled on it's like when you look at america you look at america and then you've got california i mean yeah yeah, you're obviously going to
1: focus more on like you know anyway at the end of the day flags borders (laughs) man-made concepts that make no, no real sense to me anymore but but you know i would say that maybe we all study the maps that are closer to us. It's like somebody's as if somebody asks me right now to to put a finger on the map where Cambodia is, I have no fucking idea. <laughs> and I have no idea what other country is next to it or what the border is. I had just I'm and I'm really sorry because I wish I wish I knew. That's not to say that it has more or less importance than 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 any other
0: yeah it was like I say it was a crazy notion for me it's something i've never been pulled on even even having a girlfriend who was brazilian as well i never got pulled on this fact it's like she must have looked at me and thought oh i'm probably a bit of a language barrier i'm not understanding what lee's saying but yeah like i said this is the first time anybody pulled me on it but i wanted awesome. i wanted to bring it up because um you're living in europe now aren't you Where where are you based in europe
1: i am in germany it's a beautiful little town called Burscheid, which is uh, close to Dusseldorf and Cologne. So I'm within. I'm within, very. I, I can very easily reach either, either yeah. or. So um, why Germany?
0: Uh, out of all the European, I'm, I'm guessing you moved to Germany because it's in Europe and the career side of it and things. But why, why Germany? What stood out for that place?
1: Well, I always dreamed of living in Europe. Um, you know of course when you dream of something you still look at it with like rose tinted glasses then you live in the place and then you have all this you know crazy taxes and responsibilities and everything that of course and everyone's everyone's going to tell you oh of course you should be proud of paying your taxes because yeah i'm not proud of paying my taxes if, if i'm not able to you know to cover my own costs first <laughs> like if, before i can help society i should have my own house in the beginning and like in the first place but, but that's a different story that that's now that I'm here, I have the same problems that everybody else has. So I complain about the same things. But other than that, it is a beautiful place. The quality of life, of course, you can see it, especially if you travel just a tiny bit to for example, last weekend I was in Istanbul. Istanbul is a beautiful place. Like the city is is amazing. There's a lot of chaos. There's so much going on. But if you go to the outskirts of Istanbul, it was like this. I'm in I'm in Venezuela right now. It and I mean that like also i hate to say this because it's my country as well but it's also sadly the truth you know like some of the bigger cities of course they are more developed but the more rural areas i think the rural areas in in places like germany or the netherlands they look a lot better developed and cleaner than 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 in places like venezuela where there's just a lot of poverty sadly happening out there it's just a lot of it's like they've been almost abandoned you know what i'm saying and somehow uh i mean they still manage they're still happy they're they're still you know, there's still stuff to do, and there's you somehow in between all those streets, you find your way to whatever you have to go. Um, but I always wanted to live in Europe. It was always a dream for me, and of course, my music works the the best in in everything that is oh, yeah. main, mainland Europe, like and, and and also, well, Russia and Ukraine. Back to that subject, it's always a a a, a tough one for me because mm. Russia has, is is a place that. I think it's the only country that really recognized the value of my project the way I believe should be recognized. Because I've been fighting for this sound for such a long time. And, you know, if I'm playing in Moscow, I'm headlining next to NDC. That doesn't happen anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. And and that's something that, you know, that, that really, really hurts me because that's not... I that wasn't a choice I made. I'd be glad to be, you know, headlining Rampage as well. They just don't call me. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I'd be glad to be headlining Boomtown. They just don't call me. I'd be glad to be headlining Bank Face Weekend. Uh, uh, but I, they, they, that's the thing. There is something that it, dis, it didn't seem to take off elsewhere as much as it did in Russia or in Ukraine. Uh, in Czech Republic as well, Czech yeah. Republic was another place that really. And that's why I get to play. You know, in in places like 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 Let It Roll but I still don't play main stage when I play Let It Roll. Like there's still something, there's still a ceiling and I'm there looking at it like, why are you guys not just putting me there? Like like these people did, we proved it. We proved that it works. Look at the numbers, everything's fine. Like, but it's just on the live side of things. it It just, it never got as far as I could get with places like Russia or Ukraine or Japan. And well, now seeing my, you know, my two favorite places, going to war is like you know i mean obviously that's a very selfish reason to to mm. to judge it by there's people dying and there's and there's entire cities being 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 destroyed like this is the real issue right here not not me not you know not being able to play in a place or another but what i'm trying to say here is these things were the natural consequence of me just being almost in a natural way, like, you know, closer to certain people. But like I said, it wasn't a choice that I made. It was just, you know, I put my music out there and this is where this is gravitating towards. And as a consequence of that, I go there more, I make friends more uh, in, in those places. And when this whole thing started, actually, my, my first thought was, oh, like, which of my friends are in either Russia or Ukraine and how do I get them out? Um, I helped a good friend of mine that lived in kiev at the time this whole thing started we managed to get him a place in poland uh, they let him get out because he is canadian ukrainian so he could get out because he was canadian if he was like if he had a ukrainian passport they don't let him out it's like no you get a uniform and you go to the front and you go to die and you go to kill other people who have the other uniform and uh, and the russians the same thing no you can't get out of a country, you have to get on a uniform, you have to get a weapon and you have to go kill the people that we tell you to kill. <laughs> yeah. This is how I see it. I'm not able to to, to get on, on any side of it because I think everyone's a victim of war in the end. Yeah, it's, 100%. It's, so, so... I mean, oh, yeah. we speak to like
0: like you say, you talk about contacts and things you have in Russia and and like I said with all this going on is I know <laughs> I know Russian and Ukrainian producers that are great friends and speak to each other because it like I say, they're just the victims of it. They're not obviously controlling it of what's going on and things like that. But you bring up Russia and the drum and bass in there. I mean, in my eyes, a couple of things with Russia. Number one, it's one of the toughest toughest scenes to crack in the world with drum and bass. As in, it takes a lot to get booked to get there. There's only a certain amount of people they book, but when you're there, it's great and you continue getting booked. And the other thing as well, they've got some of the biggest events in the world that you've never heard of. Do you know what I mean? And I think the first time I ever saw drum and bass on a crazy large scale was the, the like the two thousand eight and Pirate Station, like bigger than anything now as well, isn't it? I mean, you look at Rampage, Let It Roll. I mean, this place had indoor arenas with thirty thousand people in these indoor yeah. arenas, and they're still rolling those out, aren't they? Yeah, still there. And I yeah, think even sure. some of, some of the artists are still the same artists from two thousand eight as well. I mean, DJ SS... He's still over there all the time, do you know what I mean? but you rarely yeah. you rarely see some of the big new breed over there. they've kind of stuck with with the artists that they know from the early noughties and things like that, haven't they
1: it's it's as you said, it's a tough scene to crack. I don't know how I got so lucky. It just happened one day that you know the guys from radio record just called me, I think I think it was I, I made a song called "Revolution." and yeah they may, they use this theme you know they have different themes in each Paris station similar to you know the Cirque du Soleil every festival has a theme and I always thought that was such a beautiful thing they have all these people like dancing on stage and 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 doing all these circus tricks like flying mm-hmm. around it's unbelievable it's a beautiful thing and um, uh, th- there's a lot of uh, performance aspect to it it's not just you're not just a guy there with a hoodie you know looking depressed and pushing buttons no you have to perform and i think that's why me wearing a mask especially was yeah, something that-, that fit right into into the russian scene because they're, yeah. they're very
0: well again they were one of the first to do these big stage shows as well weren't they do you know what yeah. i mean that they, they were doing it before some of the big american brands even yeah. you know what i mean so but yeah i, I implore anybody watching go to youtube Look at Pirate Station, two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten, and and even beyond that, and it'll it'll surprise you what you see there in Russia. It's uh, it's phenomenal what they've done.
1: Yeah, yeah, man, really, really good people as well. Just you know, ravers and like, and like I said, you know, I I separate these things from from politics. It's ravers. Yeah, it's it like it, it it makes no sense at all to to put everyone in the same on the same box so to say but sadly that's happening a lot that's happening mm. a lot and i guess in a way i get it you know if, if you're especially if you're you know in a war zone and 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 you've been fighting this for for such a long time the only association you will have with the russian flag is this so you know i can also understand why someone who's like you know struggled in ukraine and then hears. Wears is both maybe talking about how amazing drama-based festivals are in Russia. They're just going to get triggered. And I, and I completely understand that. I completely relate to that. I, I feel compassionate about it as well. Um, but the only thing I can say, being myself from a place like Venezuela, where you know where we're always also like pitted against each other constantly, when you get out of that and you look at things on a bigger scale, you really realize that we're all victims of it. We're all like people on different sides given different uniforms and And just being told because of some some old guy had a beef with another guy on the phone or whatever and and then they say here's your uniform go kill these people or because this guy says this place of land is mine and this other place no no this is mine and then we kill each other because of that the land does not belong to anybody it's all a big illusion Hmm. the land does not belong to anybody we die and the land's going to stay there we're not going to you know nobody inherits anything it's, it's all a big lie so what,
0: what was it like growing up in venezuela i mean obviously being a musician as well how did you go about kind of getting it into getting into it when you were back home and what brought you to that
1: well i mean i had influences from 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 different places there were um my dad used to listen in the car to a lot of um it's uh, smooth jazz and uh, I would always hear stuff like, you know, Stanley Jordan, George Benson. Those those were some of the first artists that I heard when I was a little kid. Uh, Larry Carton. Um, and they also played a lot of classical music, like B- Four Seasons by Vivaldi. That was the kind of stuff that my parents would always play in the car. And um, Pink Floyd as well. My dad loved Pink Floyd and i slowly started getting all these little influences you know then i met i don't know then i heard music on the radio back then thankfully it was the 90s and i think music on the radio was great in the 90s uh you know you had i don't know nirvana metallica uh pantera in some cases but you know it was mostly nirvana and metallica who made it to like the 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 top radio especially especially in, in venezuela i would say like there were some bands that maybe were a bit too much for the radio but but there was a lot more space for rock and metal you know it wasn't yeah. it wasn't just one thing or just the other it was a space for everything and i loved that even if people had beef or whatever you like pop i like metal I, but there was always a space for everything you know and and pop artists were great you had you know you had michael jackson you had freaking um i don't know you had madonna you had a uh, uh, and even all of these uh, like boy bands, and you know the, the the this formula with like five guys or four guys and and five girls, and they were all singing and in sync and stuff. You know those people were singing at least. You know there was no attitude. They got to train, they got to sing, they got to dance. I mean, even if you look at you know at the Backstreet Boys, for example, great performers, great singers. Whatever you want to say, whether you like the music or not, you have to give them that. It was a time where. Artists were still artists, I think, and um, and I think every single one of those things. Definitely had an influence on me. I slowly started discovering more things as I went deeper into every direction I was interested in almost every music genre But I think metal was definitely the thing that grabbed me like the most extreme bands, you know bands that in the 90s were burning churches in Norway <laughs> And I'm sorry, those were the bands I was into and I love that I love the especially the fact that they were so offensive like this band these bands are burning churches like play that loud as loud as you can and let's just piss off every christian we yeah. can but as, was- as a
0: youngster as well it's almost like uh oh that's naughty oh i like that i want to get into that like like when you listen to like guns and roses albums the first reason i listened to those is because there was loads of swearing in it and yeah. that's what attracted me to it so it's almost that like anti kind of things you shouldn't be doing that your parents don't want you to listen to and things exactly like that. i think that's exactly. the attraction but the, I, I found a lot with drum and bass artists that i've spoke to as well including yourself and me. I mean, my background is I grew up listening to soul music. You grew up listening to jazz. I went on to rock and metal, and that was like my first my music where I chose you the same, and I heard that a lot. And then a lot of people end up somewhere with drum and bass. I mean, what this does seem to be quite a commonality of that story to get to drum and bass. Why do you think that might be?
1: That's a very good question. I think it's because, like, um, stylistically speaking, Drum and bass has the ability to blend in with anything. You can't make, I mean, you could. There's actually a a duo out there that they're doing uh, techno and metal, like actual Berlin style techno, I mean, with with metal. I think it sounds great, but usually techno is, you you know what you're going to get if you listen to techno. If you change it just a tiny bit, that's already, you know, it's already not techno. Um, the same thing with, with trance or house they're like very specific sounds and the, you know there's some subgenres for sure but I w- I don't think you know you could blend drum and bass with jazz and it makes sense you could blend drum and bass with techno sounds and you have technoid. you could blend drum and bass with metal and you have metal and bass mm-hmm. you could blend drum and bass with I don't know well I don't know if scan bass is really a thing but you could it yeah. actually fits it, it, it fits it, really really well
0: Funnily you know? enough gabba has that kind of thing as well doesn't it you can yeah. you can really blend it with quite a lot despite what it is and it's it's aggressive nature yeah. it does fit with anything doesn't it you can you can have pop music with it you can have irish folk music it all works in some way shape or form, doesn't yeah. it constantly yeah. what were your first influences then with with metal because i know drummer bass came a bit later on but that was obviously the the preliminary you know part of your journey into who you are now
1: ah uh, well i mean some of the first bands that i heard of course, like the usual suspects you know metallica sepultura uh, the you know the, the the bands that were i would say back in the day the most influential ones um uh, the, the like basically a lot of people were a lot of the bands a lot of genres that happened in metal um derived from from the sound that Metallica, Sepultura was doing, uh, uh, I can even compare albums like next to each other, and be like, oh yeah, that's from Metallica, that's from Sepultura, that that, that sort of thing. Like the, the, I think they, Metallica and Sepultura were some of the most, and Black Sabbath, of course, and all of the classic, like the, the the first metal band, so to say, the first hard rock, heavy metal band, so to say, there was always something that came from 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 something before and uh, Those were the first bands that I listened to But I had this there was an en- element of fear that I discovered in In black metal, I mean these days you just realize it's just a bunch of old men just looking a little bit too much Like they are larping you know what i'm saying It, it kind of lost the mystique to it. But the first time I heard a black metal band. It was like this just felt like like I was en- en- enshrouded by 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 a, by by a dark mystical like i don't i don't know i felt like like i yeah. felt like the gates of hell were about to open it's a, it is it was... a
0: different emotion than you're used to with music isn't it completely exactly different. yeah
1: exactly and that really pulled me in because because i liked that element of fear i was like i i i've realized that on this side all i could see was uh all i could feel was this was this fear but on the other side of it there was so much freedom you know and that's something that i think was um in my opinion really important about black metal as a genre black metal was just as wrong as and offensive as it could get and then there was you know death metal gore metal gore grind which was basically you know you had pictures of of someone's actual gods or or like brujería brujería you know um the first album the matando gueros one with which is which is it's a totally wrong title to have on on any album that's literally means gueros is like a like a derogative it's a racist word to to call someone white in the u.s basically it's a it's like um it would be essentially the equivalent of saying you know killing you know the n-word i'm not gonna say it because you know it's but it's equivalent but for for black people and it's a it's a word that uh it was created in mexico so yeah. imagine an album that's called matando hueros and you have the head of of uh, i don't know i don't even know who it was i think it was like a like a drug dealer or something It was an actual picture of a beheading it mm-hmm. wasn't a drawing it wasn't like a cannibal corpse uh, album covers which were like these really colorful and beautiful drawings by somebody you can just draw whatever if you have enough imagination but that's still a drawing this was an actual picture and yeah and the, the fact that it just became that I was just so extreme and so wrong, it it really attracted me because yeah. on the other side of fear, there was this this newfound freedom because at the end of the day, we realize, well, at the end at the end, it's just maybe it's wrong, yeah. but it really is a picture. It's just a bunch of people screaming a bunch of stuff and maybe mm-hmm. they're just trying to rile some people up. And I love that and I, and I, and I was, uh, you know, I relished in that. Mm-hmm. And um and then slowly I went into other genres as well, when drum and bass, I think when I heard drum and bass the first time was probably, um, I'll tell you the exact the exact first track that I heard that was drum and bass. Um, I think it was probably, uh, I, don't, I don't think some people considered this drum and bass. Like um, you could consider it metal and bass as well. Um, it was this, I think, I think it was the first time that I heard an, an uh, amen break. Mm. That collaboration between the Tarutina Shriot and Slayer yeah. on the spawn soundtrack. That was it. So to me, actually, drum and bass is synonymous with metal. Mm. You know, that the, the, there's just no way to separate them. When I hear people saying, Oh, no, that doesn't blend well. I'm like, what are you talking about? Drum and bass is metal. Well, it, you, and, it yeah. perfectly
0: merges at the, at the most aggressive end of each spectrum. It that's when I think it merges the best, doesn't it? I mean, we look at like I say, some of your early stuff and then maybe what started Neurofunk, like the dark step sound, current value, things like that, you know, the really heavy stuff. That's when it starts to merge. I think I think for that type of stuff, I think there's like there's a lot of testosterone involved in that type of music. And I think that's why it's obviously very appealing to men, because it's yeah. almost like a, a release and and that's you know the aggressiveness. I mean this is why men like boxing more and things like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a it's a testosterone release and the music it's obviously adamant to that. I mean, like I said, the covers and things, I mean, I've got, I've got records here, Gabba records and it's aggressive music, which is obviously there's the soul to that. Even though it's 500 BPM, it, it comes from somewhere. There's, there's that release to it, but the covers are just kind of, it's got to complement the music and, you know, I can pull a, a couple of covers out here and it's got like amputee porn on the front covers of the sleeves and just, it's just things to grab your attention and, Cause a bit of a ruckus, because again, controversy sells as well, doesn't it? Do you know what I yeah. mean? It's yeah. always been there, but I think, yeah, I mean, it'd make a good study, that wouldn't it? About aggressive music linked to testosterone and to men, and obviously how how that obviously all blends together as well. I think they'd be. A, I would I a would say that,
1: there. but of course, these days, a, a lot of this, uh, you know, as they call it, general normative, uh, but not like a lot of these things are being challenged. Um, yeah. I think, in some way, for the best. In other ways, maybe it's a little bit too like, okay. I mean, th- there are gonna be some things here that maybe, sure, like this. This is more appealing to men. This is more appealing to women. That's uh, just the way it goes. But I'm kind of glad it's being challenged because, you know, um, I think I definitely think we should get more, you know, more women doing something in the scene. I think yeah. this whole like rude boy nature of, of 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 the scene is also very like. I like to hear a song that gives me this energy, but. But I don't think, at least me personally, I never intended to like. Oh well, let's keep women women out. On the contrary, bring yeah. them in. Show me something, like you know, make music as well. Like the, the DJ. Let, let's let's yeah. see you doing. Let's let's see what you're what you can bring to 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 the scene. And that that takes me to actually someone that I discovered very recently was an amazing singer songwriter. Uh, she goes by the name of Reeps. And she's from, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, Gloucestershire. Did I say that right? Yeah. Gloucestershire. Thank you. Gloucestershire.
0: (laughs) Just down the road from me.
1: Yeah. There you go. And, um, and she's amazing. You know, she's basically, I discovered her because she had these tracks and she needed like production services, you know, and, and at first she's just asking me to do two tracks. And I'm thinking, well, if she needs me to do the tracks, I'm thinking I have to do the whole thing from scratch. And then, i gave her a prize and she was like yeah it's a little bit steep just because making a whole track is a different it's different animal it's not the same as mixing you know and then i was like listen how how about this like do you have any demo of something you've done because you know maybe we might be able to do this maybe what you need is not like a full-blown production maybe all you need is just a little bit of help and the tracks were great man i was like dude this is this is amazing all you need is a mix you're good let me take care of that no it's not gonna cost you this much it's gonna be much and i made it a lot easier and she was so happy and, and what started as a client you know um service relationship we ended up becoming like a, she's like family to me right now you know yeah. i was like she needs to be heard more people need to know and and her vocals were so on point and so good now I got her to collaborate with Toronto's broken. As you also know, also a great, one of the more recent uh, artists that are mixing drum and bass with metal. I mean, he lives just
0: down the road to me as well. So he's
1: not, there you go. I'm a huge fan of what he's been doing. I think it's one of the, you know, I would say one of the people that people should, uh, how do you say it? uh, uh, Keep an eye on. Yeah. Yeah. Keep an eye on like his new albums. Great. And Reeves is also featured in a lot of, on, on a few of these tracks. Like, when mm-hmm. I started when I started to talk to her about this it was like all you need to, to do is be heard more and the best way to do that is through collaborations you know don't worry too much about the things you cannot do if you cannot mix everything worry about the things you can do and just just join somebody who can maybe you know complement that because what you can do best is something that somebody else out there needs and that's it that's mm-hmm. how you blend in there so so I got her in touch with uh, Toronto's Broken. Got her in touch with Pythias. She's also on the new Pythias record that's coming out in a few days, I think. Yeah. And uh, she's, she's worked with Artifact and 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 to me, this was like, I'm so happy when I'm when I'm when I'm able to facilitate these connections because because that's that's how I learned to, to grow the community. That's actually actually how I learned that most people make uh, make money is helping other people make money help other people connect, help other people just make things happen. And then just money follows. Yeah. You know, so I'm all about, you know, more women contributing more to the scene. What I'm not about is people faking it. And this is my thing. Exactly. Like, why should anyone be fake about what they're doing? This is the one thing that I think is, is just, it's not productive. You know, it, it doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't help the case because when someone's like, well, this is my track. No, that's not your track. Like somebody else is doing it. Just say it out loud. You can, we can still very much say, like, you can. I am a better vocalist. I am a better, I don't know, violin player. I'm much better at this than I am at doing this other technical stuff. That's mm-hmm. great because, for instance, I can't sing like that. I can't play the violin for shit, but I can mix. So let's blend this together and let's see how we yeah. together can mix. And then that's much better. That's much more real. We yeah. need more of that. What we don't need is fake producers it doesn't matter what ge- what gender you are that's it's, um, what i think it's
0: yeah. it's a big it's a big uh, it's a big talking point isn't it, on the internet right now there's a lot of people going into it my my opinion on this is that i think where where there's money and the agents are looking and where there's a, a loophole that people are pushing they're trying to fill that gap a lot and it seems as though a lot of these agents are plucking people out of maybe got the look They've got the attitudes you know, the charisma, and they're putting them in that position, getting some of these experts to actually write the music for them, and just using that almost as a marketing thing. I mean, you look at things like uh, Simon Cowell; he does it with with all the singers on the on the TV show that he does, you know, Britain's Got Talent and things like that. They're taking these people and they're taking these boy bands, and they just have somebody else write the music for them. But it's the same, like I say, it's happening in drum and bass. Agents are getting all the people. They're making them into stars and they're just basically, well, no word for it. They're, they're using them for all they can. And again, oh, you don't know how yeah. to make tunes. Don't worry. We've got somebody who'll do that. And it's just, it's almost like uh, putting together like a, you know, a, a Lego producer, isn't it? A Lego artist. Here it is, the perfect artist. Let's get them on EDC. Let's get them on these big festivals. And we'll just wait until their age runs out or they become less interesting, And we'll just get another one and put it yeah. to place as well. Yeah, I, I do blame it on on the agencies more because I mean, if you're young and somebody comes to you and says we're going to make you famous, here's a bunch of money. There's not many people going to turn that down, is there? As well. Yeah, I mean? and,
1: and I think people should be really careful about that because it's incredible how they screw people over in the end. You know, mm, they yeah. get the right to fame, and then in the end, all these people are getting the 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 most. Uh, you know, the majority of the percentage of uh, of um, of the music, so to say. Uh, but that's also in a way that's kind of like they kind of shoot themselves in the foot when they allow other people to do everything for them yeah because how how can an artist that doesn't do anything come and claim oh i want like but, but those that's my music i want a bigger share of royalties they're gonna say no that's not your music
0: well there's two things that's no. gonna happen down the line isn't there number one you're gonna get to a point where okay nobody's doing anything for you and you just drop off the face of the earth never because you've got No, you've not learned anything you've got no talent you can't do well i'd say you got no talent but you haven't got the learning of that you know of producing music so you're just going to drop off and disappear and a a lot of artists have done that and another thing is as well you start to get more knowledgeable of the music industry and eventually you're going to work all that music i signed it for life to this company or that company do you know what i mean and you're like i want my music back and i we've seen it online there's been a few big producers there was a trans producer recently he'd set up a GoFundMe me to try and get people to donate money so he could buy all his back catalog back that was actually owned by some big record labels to own it because it it is apparent when you've been in the industry like 20 years you yeah. do want to own your old music don't you you want to come back to that and have your legacy. Well, I, I, I wouldn't well. I wouldn't
1: mind having a label that, you know, owns the music as long as it's a fair label. I am yeah. happy and thankful that I am signed to a label that has treated me very fairly. They helped me a lot. And uh, now of course the deal is changing a little bit more because we, because my situation also changed. Like when they signed me first, they were taking a bigger chunk of the royalties, but they were also giving me a, a generous advance which I used to get out of Venezuela. You know, that's that was my ticket out of the country to be able to go live in the States. And I struggled a bit there, but I just kept pushing forward. And then it brought me here and I kept pushing forward. And here I am with a with a room full of sense, you know, uh, that now the next step would be, of course, you know, owning your own place. That I mean, that's I know that these prices are ridiculous, but there's always a way there's always, you know, you got to probably maybe look elsewhere. But that's a situation that changed for me in the beginning. All I wanted was to get out and they helped me. So I'm also I try to be a thankful guy, you know, a a, a how to say. Uh, I cannot forget what they did for me. So so I'm, I'm also like, I also think the, uh, there's there's the other side to this, which is artists not remembering that labels do help. Labels are not necessarily always these evil people, corporations that are just no, un- some truth. people are definitely used uh and there's definitely some evil people out there we gotta watch for them but monarch music group is a very good label in this regard it's a fair label the way they you know the Mm -hmm. the way they they treat their artists is good if something works it works and if it doesn't work then it doesn't and it's fine and they don't need to you know they, they don't need to to try any harder uh but if something is working they really really get behind it and they they got behind my music for for as long as I've been signed to them. I just finished my third record. The Superstars record is a third record and a three record deal, exclusive record deal. And uh, we decided to keep doing more. And even though I could right now just release my own records and forget mm-hmm. about it and keep one hundred percent of the realties. But I'm like, listen, man, you know, I can do that, but I'd rather just keep this in, uh, in um, as part of of the discography that I'm building with you guys, because you have really helped me, and I motivate them, they motivate me. Um, now we're discussing like maybe like a different share of the royalties, also from the past records. So I would still be getting more money for the music that I already did, yeah. and in exchange, I'm still doing records for them, and I'm happy with that. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. that, that's something. That they this, are is, still, this is what
0: yeah. this is what people should look out for though, isn't it? I mean, obviously, this is a this is a very good situation there with yourself. And it is, I mean, really, it's all about legacy, isn't it? If you've been writing music for 15, 20 years, you still want to obviously not necessarily have to earn from that music, but be able to fall back to it, you know, do new things with it and things like that. And yeah. you know, if if you are signing your music to labels, it's I think it's always good to make sure up front. You're having to look into things like that, isn't it? That's that's kind of yeah. more the point I was getting across, you know. No,
1: I know I know what you're saying. I have yeah. to say that I've been lucky because there's so many record labels screwing people over. Also, in 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 drum and bass, I realize that drum and bass doesn't sell a lot in comparison. But you know, even if you know, even if you owe a couple hundred to an artist, man, like so some of these kids, that that can be like. Mm that that can mean a lot back in the day when i was still living in venezuela two hundred dollars that was like six months worth of food now mm. it's now it's not now it's like yeah. maybe maybe a couple of weeks because because they the prices have been adjusted well that's another i'm not gonna go out and attention <laughs> again so but yeah um uh, and I think a lot of people forget that uh, I have a lot of people that uh, uh, that released uh, a lot of labels that release my music. Those people don't even talk to me. They don't care about giving me any royalties. Some guy actually like, uh, you know, like scam me out of like 5K or something because according to him, like he owned the masters. And, you know, he said, well, the contract's over, so, you know, I don't have to pay you anything. I'm like, no, dude, if the contract's over, it means you don't get to keep the masters. If the contract's over it means you don't have mm. the right to sell them anymore you know what i'm saying like yeah. if, if, as long as you're selling the music you have to pay the artist and he was trying to like go around that and whatever like i don't know you anything and this was like 6k man hmm. you know it's it wasn't you know it's not a lot of money but it's substantial money yeah of it's, course uh, and there's been a lot of people who have uh, done great things for me, who have helped me a lot. But there's been people who also try to screw me over because that's the world. There's got to be, you can't just judge everyone the same, but you got to be careful. So yeah. I'm lucky that I signed with Monarch Music Group. They are a great label. They are a fair label. Anybody out there, if they're looking for a good label, you know, send your demos to them. I, I don't. I'm not sure if they sign actual German-based acts. I think they sign me more because of the metal side of things, hmm. but but i'm pretty sure they would be open to that i mean i've been even thinking about putting together a label with them and i'm pretty sure that's something that that's that's like a feasible idea something that yeah. can that can push this sound a bit more yeah. uh, to 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 bring more attention to it drum and bass and metal hybrid I love, I,
0: love the, I love the relationships like that I build. I mean, obviously, networking is a, is a big thing, like you touched on earlier. One of the biggest things at the minute to make yourself a recognised artist is to collaborate, isn't it? The more collaborations you do, the more you get out there. I mean, Spotify, you know, not to go into the whole business model of Spotify, but one of the things that they put out there to artists is saying that if you collaborate more, we'll show you off more. Like, obviously, people want to get onto the editorial playlist where you're actually going to get a huge amount of streams and create more revenue they actually look for people collaborating more so to actually show that off as well and reach more audience i mean you're obviously you you you're very in tune with reaching different audiences you've, you've combined metal you've combined drum and bass and, and something else i did want to talk about as well because i'm a i'm a big mma fan I love martial arts. I have done for years. I've done it myself. So I want to talk to you a bit about that. But you had a track, obviously, with Mike Ruckus, didn't you? Bring it on. And I believe it was used for uh, World Series of Fighting, wasn't it? How on earth did that come about? Are you a big MMA fan to start with? And, and it came from that? or
1: I'm going to go ahead and disappoint you by saying that no, I'm not. I, 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 it, it's cringe for me. I see these people beating the crap out of each other. And all I'm thinking is like, why? You know <laughs> that's too much to stuff for me but i know that it really you know it, it It. i mean it's um it's something that has a very very big fan base it's another and,
0: audience for you as well isn't it that's another big audience
1: and i'm glad you know if, if if my music is motivating anybody for whatever you know i mean as long as it's not like you know hate crimes or anything like that but you know if, it, if it's that that's that's a valid um it's a valid career. It's a valid way to, to, to you know, to go about life, you know, and, and and that's that's good if people want to show off their physical prowess like that and they feel that the music that I'm doing fits that, then why the hell not? Um, the way that happened was actually because of my former manager, James Jetta, who's someone that I am very, very thankful for, uh, someone that I learned a lot from. He's also from the U.S. Um, he was the one who made that connection happen. Like he... He was—he was not very in tune with the mm-hmm. drum and bass side of things. There were a lot of things that, sadly, and it was also part of the reason why we had to, like, uh, you know, split ways. But
0: was that when you were in the USA as well? Then you, when you, were, yeah, when and there was, was when I was
1: living in the yeah. US. Uh, but there was something that he was really good at doing, and that was creating opportunities out of thin air. Like I, I just from one moment to the next, he would see this whole project. He's he was really invested in it. He's like, "This is stick. He looked at the mask. He listened to "Bring Back the Glory," but when he listens to "Bring Back the Glory," the first thing he's thinking is MMA, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm here thinking video games, and uh, you know. But that that was the thing. Like we were just in a way, we were different people, but in and we, we also had very different. Um, in some cases, in some things, we had also a difference of political opinions, but I never let that tarnish our friendship. Because I, because as I said, like to me, it's like uh, people have to learn to respect each other, even if they cannot meet eye to eye all the time. Uh, and that that you know, thanks to that, we we were able to keep a a long lasting friendship. And he was the one who made that connection because on that side of things, you know, is a, he was a more testosterone guy. I'm a bit more of of a nerd, you know what I'm saying? Somewhere in between, and a nerd maybe with a mask that looks like it has a lot of testosterone. Yeah, and, he probably um, had the
0: connections already then, didn't he? With with obviously the MMA circuit and things like that. But yeah, what a yeah, and NBC Sports
1: and all these yeah. people. So thanks to that, we got there, and also thanks to him, we got on TNT for mm-hmm. uh, all elite wrestling. Oh, All right, um, I didn't know yeah. that
0: one. Yeah, that passed yeah. me in the research. Okay, so that's a bit more recent as well, then.
1: Yeah, that was a that was a bit more recent, and uh, yeah, he, he had a lot of great connections in that in that world. I also met a we were a lot in Las Vegas. There was a lot of you know a lot of people that I met there that, and it was like wow, like freaking, uh, I don't know, Steven Tyler, just walking <laughs> by and he's just saying yeah. hello, and I'm like, what the hell? Like he, he had a lot of really good connections. Uh, and you know he helped as much as i could and as he could um until i just decided to take uh to take back the reins because especially because i was living here in europe i realized that uh, the the way the music was evolving and the way the goals were were being reached was was a little bit different uh he was a guy that had no 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 fear whatsoever he was someone who would tell me listen man if people love you in russia go there and play there He just didn't care about the consequences like, you know, the people are going to change. Governments are going to change. You can't live in fear. And I was like, dude, I respect you so much for saying that? But that is just not a wise choice right now. And and that that's what that's what, you know, those were some of the differences in opinion that we always had because he was a bit. um, Crazier in that regard, and I love that the fact that he that he because I needed a bit of a push sometimes, but. I try to be wiser these days, especially because I see what they do to people online and how people can lose like entire careers and sources of income. Uh, you know, like it's it's easy to be controversial and and, and get yourself cancelled on purpose when you own like a mansion and you have millions in streams and everything. And then your streams are going to go down from one billion to maybe oh, just a hundred million. Oh, poor you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's a difference. It's a big difference. So I think when you maybe when you have when you have a safe net a safety net to fall back in, I think you can take more risks like that. Mm. You know, like when, when they and I and that's thing. I think that's um that was something that I was a bit too he didn't like that of me. Yeah. Like I I, I, I always took very calculated risks. Mm. He was he had no just no limits.
0: He got a structure, hadn't he? Got a structure of what works for him and things like yeah. that. Did, yes. um, did you get any other kind of, I mean, obviously that's kind of big TV signings. Did you ever get any signings with like computer games and, and things like that as well?
1: Sure. That was something that thankfully I was able to, to manage, especially during the pandemic, because it's, it's the one thing that saved my career. Uh, in the beginning of the pandemic, I was already, uh, funny enough, on the Russia, on the Russia tip, um, I was thinking of moving to Russia because during the pandemic, uh, Russia still had events happening. I was like, "Well, screw it." I mean, if I'm, if we're not gonna be able to get out of our homes anymore. If we're gonna have to wear these masks all the time. If if, if events are gonna be canceled, and then then I'm out. You know, mm-hmm. I'm out, and I'm gonna go to whatever people love me. And then if I'm gonna die there, then I'll die there. For, I, I was ready for it. I, mm-hmm. I realize it's not a very, um, how to say, uh, uh, I know, I know that it's not a, a the, the wisest thing to say, but mm-hmm. but. The lockdown was something that really, really did my head in. Like I had to spend it alone in this apartment, in in a completely strange culture, mm-hmm. uh, because the German culture was a big shock for me, especially coming from Venezuela. We we touched on that at some yeah. point as well. Um, and I and I just def- desperately wanted out. Mm-hmm. I needed to go back to a community of people who loved me, of people who who cared about you know s- about what I did. Did you go back uh, home then did you go back home during the no 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 no, no. Oh. I stayed here because I was hired by super hot yeah. team to do the soundtrack of the of the continuation of the sequel of um of the super hot game which mm-hmm. is super hot mind control Delete. that was the salary of the year basically like that, that one job was like this saved my career and I started getting like one-off remixes and then I realized hey this whole remix thing is actually taking off like people were more interested in, in, in more of the metal remixes and especially now because if you mentioned the Spotify collaboration mm. tip. Um and I started also getting some other people into that. I was I, uh, helping other people grow numbers. Uh and and with that they were also helping me grow numbers. So Sardonic became a bit of a of a platform to to help other people grow as well. And mm. um, and that's how I could create a product that you know that had that had real value because people pay for a remix. They know they're gonna make their money back. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if it's gonna be in two months or in years, mm. but the money always comes back because yeah. the royalties are always being generated. Yeah. So, so that was something that saved my career, the, the video game industry. And uh, these days, I've also been working with 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 much more uh, projects. We, I just finished one as we speak, and uh, and actually, Sega just emailed me last uh, like a couple of weeks ago, and i was supposed to get on a call with them. Like that. That's that's. To the level of clients i'm getting in the video game industry and i'm and i'm just here like how the hell did this happen so
0: sardonic uh, meets sonic the edge that's next
1: that'd be amazing <laughs> yeah and i'm already seeing this i'm imagining it like imagine like a, a Sonic big blue character blue yeah, with spikes, big Sony. blue spikes yeah <laughs> well I, I don't know which game is going to be yet because um we haven't discussed this yet um but uh, you know they emailed me and they sent an nda and then well i'm supposed to, to look into this nda sign it and then whatever they tell me i'm not going to be able to tell you or tell anything on this interview but uh, i don't know yet if it's going to be a sonic game that would be great though that would be that'd really be cool good.
0: that'd be very yeah. cool yeah. i get asked the question a lot i mean one of the reasons i was talking about this with the games obviously from talking about the licenses from tv shows A big question I get a lot from producers who come to my label is what's the best way I can get my music license to games or films or TV shows? I mean, for you, obviously, some of that opportunity has come from having a good manager. But what other advice could you give up-and-coming producers on trying to get some of the music signed to stuff like that?
1: I think... uh there's there's a i think there's a combination of factors your music needs to have a bit more of an epic element to it uh i think a lot of drum and bass is missing that these days if i'm honest with you and the drum and bass is becoming extremely minimalistic everyone's just obsessed about making everything as loud as humanly possible there's no musical element to it anymore where
0: did the three minute intros go where the yeah yeah
1: yeah i'm like I, i don't know man i feel that's um that's something that's really, really missing from drum and bass these days. It's all too, too, to, and of course we're all a little bit guilty of it because we have to adapt to the market. But I'm also, yeah. I'm, it actually concerns me because I hear, um, there's a lack of of, uh, of anthems mm-hmm. in modern drum and bass. That would be a way to put it. Like I think if you can create anthems, mm-hmm. that's gonna get you more likely into into like video games. Something that sounds, you know, that when you write it you can you can see it you can you can hear it in in one of these video games if you can hear your track on um i don't know on on a needs for a speed video game then it's more likely that's gonna be there you maybe you know you study study the music that you can get there um and also one thing is also getting music licensed music that you've already done another thing is composing music for video games I've, i've done both when you're composing music for video games, that's a completely different animal. Yeah. Like it's it's about the game. It's not about your music. Yeah, it's not about like, you know, I'm not going to force drum and bass into a game like Hot. It was actually there's no drum and bass in that soundtrack except for like a remix that I did just for just for shits and giggles. And uh, it's like a bonus track. It's not really in the game. So th- those are two different things. If somebody wants to compose for video games, I would definitely try to think in terms more of telling a story. With your with your track, as opposed to trying to get a sick drop, or uh, you know a a loud snare, or or a track that sounds like as inhumanly loud as possible. That's not what it is about. It's about telling a story, and the more you're able to tell a story through your music, the more likely you're going to I think you're going to get the music tied. Um, to to that sort of content that is also telling stories such as video games and film and tv it's telling stories so the music has to tell a story as well if the music's not telling a story then then it's not very likely to get to get licensed for that i think
0: yeah well you've had i mean probably one of the biggest back catalogs i've seen in drum and bass and I was, um, I mean, I know where my beginnings were with Finding You, and we'll come to that in a minute. But I did notice that one of your official first releases was an actual album, wasn't it? It wasn't a single. It wasn't a, on an EP of various artists. But it was 2004. I believe you had, uh, I've actually noted this down because I've never heard the label, VNet Music. So, I mean, that, that was quite bold. That was oh, quite bold oh. to do an album there, wasn't it, to start with? What made you do that? Come out okay,
1: May, first release. First of all, coming from the metal scene, there's no singles in the metal scene. No, you do albums, you do stories, you create concepts. That was something that to me was really important from the beginning. But you know i'm gonna disappoint you a little here and just say like Venet music development was just a net label that i put together with a friend of mine and he gave me that platform he gave me the server he gave me everything yeah. to be able to put it online it was the first time i actually had i mean you could say it would have it could have become a um a full-blown label in its own right but in the beginning it was just like you know i didn't know where to upload my music i didn't know what to do it was a it.
0: self-release it was almost like you've got your own little band camp
1: place kind of thing I suppose. exactly yeah. exactly and he Apologies he basically put that together for me and i'm so thankful to him because so still to this day we're still very good friends yeah. and uh and that album well you know i did what i wanted to do and it was admittedly it was a very if you go through that album and you listen to it you realize that yeah this mm-hmm. is like you know a guy just delving into electronic music it sounds like a lot of demos with some ideas that had a lot of potential yeah. uh, like for sure I, there were some tracks there that i'm like hey that 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 baseline was great, but then the rest of the track isn't, uh, or, or then the, the next three tracks are like, yeah, this is just a bit of experimental stuff. But the thing is, drum and bass for me back then, like we're talking as you said, two thousand four. I remember some of the first drum and bass tracks that I heard were like, do you remember uh, uh, an act called? I think it was Infiltrator or something like that.
0: Yeah, you a U.S. act. Yeah, Light
1: yeah, Fracture, yeah. Dark.
0: Yeah. This yeah, album
1: yeah. was released on mp3.com, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. That, that's what to me German bass was. It was this like industrial, fast-paced, uh very uh sort of like all, all this techie sound, sort of say, all this, all this um it sounded like like dark sci-fi music, you know. And uh and I think I was I was trying to do a bit more of that. Then I slowly discovered other stuff like you know, like Congonati and all of this classic, like another which was another place where the drum and bass sound came from, like you know, Breakbeat Jungle and 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 Ragged Jungle, uh uh sorry, Breakbeat Hardcore and and all these like genres that also gave birth to to what drum and bass is. But you know, I came from from the darker side of it, and obviously I found I found a home in that darker sounds, like you know, the older uh um freak recordings catalog obscene recordings current value all that stuff oh, like yeah. dylan like all those guys that to me i had so much respect for them still you know and that, um, that was my
0: opening into drum and bass really around that time so it's funny you should mention infiltrator i've probably not thought of that name for a very long time but that's again one of the first artists that i come across with you like you say um obviously keaton on renegade hardware Noises early releases and of course chasing status were doing that kind of stuff back then as well, and Zardonic. And I think, um, I think most of this music I actually found it on Soulseek. That's where I found it. Same, you go on, a, same, you go on a, on a tangent, and you find new things and new things, and it's like that was the discovery Dude, discovery I'll, period, the honeymoon period for me.
1: I'm gonna give you a tip here. Like, I mean, these days, honestly, if you can afford it, buy the music because I think we should support each other, support the drum and bass economy, whatnot. So, if a track is released and I can buy it. Mm. I'll get it from either a Beatport or Bandcamp. Bandcamp is usually friendlier and better yeah. quality. Um, so I usually go to Bandcamp first so I can find the artist directly and I can give yeah. the money directly to the artist. Then I go to Beatport. If I don't find it there, I go back to Soulseek. It's still a thing. Yeah. And a lot of my old demos that never got any releases, they're still there because I was sharing them myself. Yeah. So I, I found my own music by going back to Soulseek. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's even an app for Android, uh, I'll tell you which one it is. Would you be surprised? You probably be, feel like you know, like it's twenty years ago, and you're still discovering music. At least for the music that you cannot find anymore. I don't. It, I don't think it, that's. A, it was a the problem. key
0: for me to discover music. There was no other way back then, really, to to actually do it in those early noughties. I mean, just touching on like like your album as well. I mean, this was way ahead of its time. I mean, you put out a digitally only album. In a time where digital was just about, coming. I mean, there, there was no beatport then or anything like that. It was very hard to actually make any money at that time. I mean, I'd, I around that time, I just started my first record label and I was pronounced out vinyl. Do you know what I mean? So it wasn't until the late '90s, the digital really started to kind of get somewhere a little bit. But yeah, I mean, that, that must have been hard for, you, you know, to actually get the music heard. I mean, what made you go down that route and not think about, OK, well, let's invest that a little bit more into maybe vinyl. What made you go down a digital route when it was literally non-existent at the time?
1: I was 20 years old living with my parents and going to college. <laughs> Where am I going to get the money to invest in it? I yeah. had no other choice, but yeah. I still wanted to put it out there. That was pretty much it um i wanted people to hear my music and i was as loud and as bold as i could about it and as obnoxious as i could be about it and maybe it was the wrong way to approach it but you know when you're try- still trying to prove yourself i guess you need to make a little bit of noise uh and uh yeah i mean eventually the goal was to get a vinyl that was the thing and these days it's actually the other way around it's funny because how you how you mentioned that like those yeah, days, yeah. I, I don't think we boy, sold man. a single mp3 from that album. I think these days if you find it, you find it on Soul Seek. yeah Uh if you find it, maybe if it's interesting for you to give it a listen. Uh but like I said, it's nothing I'm really proud of. It's part of my of my way, but I think the um, uh you know, the, the first track that I think was something that I'm that I'm proud of that actually even that's how I met the DJ producer, because he bought this this track. It was like he was looking for dubs and he bought the vinyl that had it. Um, it was a track that I did called Her Lust for Blood. It's basically just Amen all the way, just a raw Amen from beginning to end. And uh, and I love that. Uh, I think it was the first track that I feel, you know, had some sense to it, mm. so to say it, 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 it was a more consolidated sound. Um, and then after that what else 2007 wasn't really a lot going on a couple of things here and there but then 2008 there was policia which was the first track that i think got me um i wouldn't say it got international attention to the project but at least the track got international attention like dj Hyde was playing it andy sewers was playing it and oh
0: yeah i i hammered it in fact it was the first track of yours i actually bought I, I literally hammered that track. There was a ton of remixes on it as well, from what I remember, weren't there? There was a, there was a few different mixes of the track, I think. Uh,
1: no, I, I, don't, I don't think we ever did remixes of Policía, but that's a great idea there. because I want to bring <laughs> that track back. Like yeah. been, I've, been in touch with track. I've been in touch with Mycenaean. I've been in touch with Mycenaean because uh, I we want to redo it, basically, from scratch because I lost the project.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and uh, and we want to redo it. We also want to give it a bit of a fresh update, uh, you know, So so mm-hmm. it's more... Current I, day events.
0: I d- I didn't even know a lot of people back then. I didn't even know a lot of people were playing it because it was like when I just got into drum and bass. I weren't really going to drum and bass raves. My first like before drum and bass, I was doing hardcore. So a lot of people listening to this, they know a bit of my background, doing gabber and UK hardcore. And I got dragged kicking and screaming to Renegade Hardware in London, the event, and I saw Noisia, Panacea, Keaton, um, who else was on Spore. And it my mind was blown. Like, well, I mean you, you saw the right ones to be fair. I saw the right ones. And yeah. I, and I walked I walked into that venue loving hard dance music. I walked out a drum and bass fan because before that night, I thought drum and bass was just MCs, Dillinger, Grimy. I thought that's what it was. And then realizing there was something that touched on like the harder end and the techier end, that got me into it. And like I say, Policia was. Was kind of one of the first tracks that i discovered from your side of stuff um but what what what, what do you remember about the feedback of that track when it came out because like you said he got a lot of attention do you think it catapulted you into the next stage do you think that you know there was a lot of uh new artists discovering you then as well reaching out maybe
1: i mean i think uh i was trying to collaborate with as many people as i could back in the ducks and Acids days. Um, the grid was the great place to be, oh, yeah. you know, that's where I found a lot of people to collaborate with. Um, um, and of course, uh, I was trying to, to to learn from a lot of these people that I looked up to. Um, I found all sorts of different personalities, uh, some people who were nicer to me, Something. Not, some people not so nice, some people who were just picking me up all the time, people who were very critical of what I was doing. Um, some constructive criticism, some destructive criticism, straight up. Uh, And I was good because it it gave me a bit of a a training. Whenever somebody would um, challenge me like "Dude, this track sucks, I would just go back and I'm going to show you. And then I would do something better and something better. Now, of course, I have a different motivation. I'm not just just trying to prove people wrong. I'm more like now it's more. um, You know, I I have, let's say, more relevant uh, motives. So to say. Um, But yeah, back in the day, I was um, I was always looking into into all these people that I learned a lot from, especially, you know, B Complex back uh, back in the day was one of the first producers that actually um, that I befriended, so to say, online. Uh, Very, very supportive. Uh, And uh, well, he's uh, is transitioned right now. So I think I should call him her. But, um, you know. Back then, before he had transitioned, like, you know, we were friends before that, after that, um, as I mentioned at the beginning of the interview, like whatever choices anyone wants to do about their life, that's how they want to live. I'm interested in the human being that's inside. Yeah. And if someone's been nice to me, that's something I'm never going to forget. I don't I don't, you know, whatever they choose to do, whether I'm into it or not, whether, whether I understand it or not, uh, whether that's like a musical taste or or or, or, a, or a way to dress, whatever and um but B complex is someone that i remember that from the beginning was always a very supportive person and someone that um that had a it had a sound that i liked you know uh the music had a sound that i liked and and i was and i was really really happy to be able to learn from that and to be able to um, uh to improve my productions because of all these people that i was looking up to uh, Some other people, of course, were not very responsive. You know, some other people maybe t- took a. They were tougher nuts to, to crack. Yeah. Namely, you know, I really wanted to be signed to. I don't know to like human imprint. This little boy would not well, pay you did any though. attention. You I did
0: have some. You did that. It I mean, took me years exactly. <laughs> of
1: like pestering Damien, but I I got there. And yeah. uh, you know, he's just a really busy person in general. But uh, you know, I, I love the guy. He's been hmm. that's another person that really supported me back then. But yeah, before I music got there. as well,
0: some great music from that artist. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, it's uh, yeah. But but you know, slowly, I guess. Um, as I started befriending more people, I started collaborating with more people because, as um, what's his face, Concord Dawn. Yeah. Uh, I remember having a talk with uh, I forgot who it was from Concord Dawn. I don't know if it was before, or after this, but um. But um I remember hearing something that that I never forgot, because I think it's something that a lot of people should remember as well. And it applies to this day. Respect is not to be expected. It is to be earned. And I was like, yeah, I have to work harder. It's that simple. I'm not going to get a pat in the back or a free pass just because I tried. I have to work harder, period. It has to be better and and i kept just doing that and i think that's something i think that's something that's also lost a little bit these days yeah everyone yeah. wants to win everyone uh, wants the, the social game.
0: media area it? it's almost like there's an expectation um
1: yeah
0: i mean we we get dms like we run an event in birmingham in the uk called raw we get dms all the time in a similar nature of you need to book me not I'm going to turn up to the event and kind of earn that booking and get to know you guys. Cause nobody's heard of me. It's like, Oh, you need to book me. Here's a little two second message I'm sending on Facebook to actually get it. So yeah, it's a, it's a very different kind of, uh, the, the, the kids today kind of think of it a lot different. don't They They don't realize the graph that goes behind it. Cause it's, I guess it's not presented to them in that way as well, is it? It doesn't look like you need to do that nowadays, but that's what's going to get you much further. But I mean, talking about the graft, you talk about human imprint. Back then, around that time, you 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 were on you were on the who's who of labels when it comes to dark drum and bass. Just a little a little list of a me and these were some of my favorites: MindSaw, assimilate Melting Pot, Symbolism, Future Sickness, and of course, big up to Diesel Boy with the Human Imprint. You you were on all the best labels that that I love back then. Some of them quite big American labels as well, and you don't think of America have been at the forefront. Of of any dance music sound, really. Do you know I mean? It generally is the UK. So there's a lot of graft from your end and um zardonic recordings. That was obviously your own imprint as well. What what happened with that label? Because out of all of those, obviously this was your own, your own baby, and, and it seems as though after a certain amount of time you stopped releasing under that banner, didn't you?
1: Well, I just got disappointed with all the marketing that was behind it, really, which I mean, I'm sorry to say I love a lot of those guys still to this day. But I hated the whole there's no money in it mindset. Why? If you keep having that mindset, then that's exactly what you're going to get. And you're going to stay underground and proud and you're going to sell 10 copies, 20 copies, maybe 100, maybe 500. No, man. Like I wanted people to go all out. I, I, I hate that. That's one thing that I never liked about, about the, the underground aspect of it. A lot of people love that. They, 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 they relish that, you know, sort of exclusivity aspect of it. Like, oh, this music is not something that is understood by the masses. It's, it's just for the real people. I hate that. I want to be on a main stage in Coachella playing the music that I play. I don't want to have to change my music to become popular. And that's something... That I always hated about the nature of underground labels. I love the music, but I was like, how do we get, you know, the most amount of people to listen to it? How do we pull people in? How do we reel people in? How do we create something like a concept that becomes interesting? How do we place it like elsewhere? And but there was something I was very impatient as well. And my music, my music still needed to evolve. Like it, it wasn't you know, I as every kid these days, I also had a bit of self entitlement myself. Like, was like, yeah, well, this has to be there. You need to do this, and you need to do that, and you need to book me. We've all been there. I, th- I think that this happens to everyone. That's like, sort of starting off. We're so desperate to prove ourselves that sometimes we we we, we lose the plot really. But. But this is something that really frustrated me. and I know that it's not like, oh, it's because the labels are doing it wrong or what no it's just, I know it's a difficult, it's a difficult task. And that gave birth to this guy right here. I realized this music is just not gonna take off on its own. And it's something, and it's something that pulls the attention. So I'm gonna create a gimmick. And I did, and of course I get all this hate from all these underground people. who are like, "Oh, that's just a gimmick. That's too like oh, this guy is selling out." I don't care, bro. I'm running a business here, and I want to be able to run that business doing the music that I love. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. I that not that's not to say that I love every track that I do. Sometimes I also have to do music when I don't feel like it. You know, when it becomes a business, you, you have to you have to also learn how to do that, how to write without inspiration. How yeah. to stop depending on inspiration and yeah it kind of sucks sometimes but hey you know at the end of the day some of these tracks can actually surprise you i've done tracks that i just hated it was like oh god this is such a, uh, right, uh, uh, such a, such a store and i do it in like four hours and whatever yeah take your track give me my money and, and then i look back and i look at the numbers and i'm like holy shit, this just took off yeah, you, know, so not- you never really know sometimes like the simpler things are the ones that take off the most so so you have to train your brain a little bit to to resist that whole like wait for inspiration thing like because sometimes you can be really inspiring. and use something beautiful like a 12-minute track that just nobody's gonna care about and mm-hmm. it's sad to see it like that I, I would still like to you know to know that people would open a vinyl and put it in the mm-hmm. in the in the turntable and uh, and play it and listen to a full album like back in the day. but that just doesn't happen mm-hmm. anymore so we have to be able to, I, I think, you know, be able to create music that can be consumed and create music that, that we can also be satisfied with. Find some find yeah. some middle ground there, I think.
0: Talk, talking about the gimmick and obviously the mask and, and how that took off. Um, I mean, I for most of that, I, I definitely agree. I mean, one of the things is there are so many talented DJs and producers, and if you're doing that, you are throwing yourself into a into a, a river full of these, aren't you? There's there's hundreds of thousands of people you've got to compete with, and it almost does seem to a fact that if you can stand above the rest, not losing any talent, of course, but standing with obviously something like the gimmick. I mean, for example, um, something I started in 2010 when I when I first, locked out, I was five years into DJing, drum and bass. I'd have a, I'd had a successful hardcore career, and in drum and bass, I was just fucking getting nowhere because there were so many of me around there were so many of me but as soon as i thought okay i'm going to be a dj versus beatboxer show and i brought a beatboxer in i brought a drummer in and suddenly i was touring the world i was traveling all around the world to countries because i had something that extra to give i mean do you feel do you feel with a gimmick do you think there's a a line you shouldn't cross do you think there's something you should be do to kind of keep that authenticity or uh, do you think that people should just go out and just try and find something different, no matter what it is?
1: I mean, I, I think if you're just, you know, uh, I, I who, who was it that said it? I think it was Beyonce. <laughs> I saw this phrase somewhere, and I, I think it was like credited to Beyonce. Everyone's trying to be different, so I'm going to do the same. You know, I mean, at some point. If you're just trying to be different for the hell of being different, and if it has no meaning to you, if there's no mm. story behind it, if there if you have no real connection to it, nah, it's gonna feel. I don't, good, I, I, don't, I, don't I don't wear this mask just because it is a gimmick. I I purposely created this. Like the, 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 there was a vision in it. Like it's mm. not like, oh, I need something to to you know to bring some attention. I knew it was going to bring some attention, mm. but I knew it was gonna be good for marketing, but. There was still an intention behind it. I think that's the key word, which also applies to, you know, going back to the whole like getting music licensed and games and stuff. When you do everything with intention, people tell. That's a thing. Uh, mm. uh, it, it happens everywhere. It happens in 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 every kind of business. You know, it applies to art, applies to everyday life. If you do something mm. with intention, people can tell. And people, I think, gravitate towards that. Mm. Um, uh that's not just i mean of course yes there's no shortage of of how to say uh, empty musical calories so to say like there is a lot of ear candy out there that doesn't really mean anything sometimes maybe you need to use a little bit of that to your advantage the same way for example uh, marilyn manson did it i think marilyn manson did it in a genius way because he took Mm -hmm. it and he was sort of like making a joke around it while still having such a powerful message well, let me, um, let me
0: give you let me give you an example as well. So, if if we take two dance music artists, so let's take Dead Mouse for example. Now, this is this gimmick, and this I mean, amazing producer, but the gimmick is quite well respected. What he's done is he's taken the idea and it's transformed into all these things where the light show is involved with his hat and his helmet. And oh my god, I mean, it, it's one of the most amazing ideas in dance music ever. It's brilliant. But then you compare that to let's look at the artist marshmallow now there is a lot of hate for marshmallow and what it is it almost looks like a manufactured kellogg's cornflakes style thing but behind that mask is an absolutely exceptional producer as well so with these differences i mean what do you see with those where do you see that maybe marshmallow is going wrong but dead mouse is going right?
1: I don't think either is going right or wrong, really. I just think people are gonna talk no matter what. I'm pretty sure like Dead Mouse is no stranger to I hate. Just, I'm but just blaming it online the, the
0: reverence you see online. You see a lot of hate for Marshmallow, but not really for Dead Mouse. I mean they both get hate and they both get praise but in 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 those amounts it's almost like that one's unrespected and and that one isn't that's just how it it seems when you look
1: Yeah at but it like I, I think that's kind of like the same way bullying works in school you know what I'm saying you don't really know why a specific person is being bullied there's mm-hmm. like like you, I mean maybe you you can think of some reasons but at the same time it's just man people always need someone to bully sadly it's very sad that this is the way it is and there's just you know they they find something and they and they take all their anger against it you know Imagine, uh, I mean, I personally also like my first reaction was like, what is this marshmallow? It's it's like candy. I wasn't a big fan of the name. I wasn't a big fan of the mask. It just didn't relate to it. But you know what? I find it completely valid that there is a project out there that's trying to make the world a kinder and better place. I think that's valid. You know what I'm saying? maybe maybe that was the thing i think you know i don't know people will will think oh that's gay or whatever like like it was you know something something wrong you know what i'm trying to say yeah yeah sometimes uh too especially since dance music attracts a, a a lot of men as you mentioned you know um there's just not enough maybe testosterone there yeah but sometimes Maybe we don't need that all the time. Maybe sometimes we need some dead mouses. We need some marshmallows. We need some cannibal corpses. We yeah. need some Lady Gagas. We we need a bit of everything. You know, it's... Yeah. it's um... It
0: all it all invokes a reaction, doesn't it? And I guess that's where it, yeah. it's all going, isn't it, at the end of the day? I mean, like I said, for, for, for the long and the short of it, Beyond the mass Marshmallow is a... Uh, I don't really like his music, but I can tell he's an amazing producer. Do you know what I mean? I can tell what he does. I can hear what he does and yeah uh, it's it's almost like one of those artists you wish you had maybe creating the music that you love as well do you know what i mean but i don't know how far that that mask thing would actually get with the happiness like you said around it in drum and bass you know because for, for the most of it it does have that kind of crowd and would probably not not attach themselves to that in a way i suppose
1: i don't think drum and bass is generally friendly to masks anyway yeah uh i <laughs> mean it's actually it's so funny like there was um uh i think matrix did a tweet uh that said something like it's really interesting that you know edm seems to have a lot of masks but that never really happened in drum and bass i wonder why and then someone replies to him and mentions (laughs) me and says dj sardonic would like your address
0: (laughs) i've got a better caption for that hold my drink and then just a picture of you there there you go hold my
1: beer that's the caption i was looking for hold my beer something like that but i was really happy to see that because you know when somebody says that it's like hey if you want to look at a mask wearing artist in Drummond Bay, it's like that's the guy. I'm like, yeah, I did it before it was cool. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, there's there's a lot of them in
0: Gabba as well, isn't there? Like the Satanist and things like that. There's a, there's a lot of mask wearers in Gabba and Speak just on the harder end of it, and maybe down towards the crossbreed stuff as well. So it uh, yeah, yeah you're you, you gonna yeah. find them, I think, in every every style. And but yeah, very different ends of the spectrum there, isn't it? Satanist in uh, uh, obviously Slipknot as well there's a big one obviously for the rock the mass obviously so it is loved in certain circumstances but yeah like you said it it might be the the testosterone thing that we're talking about as well when it comes Um,
1: i think i think it just comes what comes with you know when i see this especially here's the deal i cannot sell something i wouldn't buy i don't go to raves I don't get to see DJs. It's the most boring thing for me. I'll just see how good that DJ set is. Unless it's like something that has really inspired me or like maybe marked an era for me. I'm like, whatever. It's, hmm. just, it's just not, I, I, I know that I'm shooting myself in the foot here because I'm a DJ. I'm aware, but, but it's just not something to me. It's, it's almost like, you know, Working in gastronomy and then having someone invite you to to have dinner in a restaurant You're not gonna enjoy it You're just going to always look at all the details on how this has maybe too much or too little Salt or whatever the hell, you know, so to me, it's actually hard to To enjoy going to a rave anymore because because this is a job for me and actually also after having you know permanent tinnitus and, uh, and and going 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 at it too long I'm just like the best music I can listen to right now is just silence <laughs> it, 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 and I'm so happy when when I'm when I'm when I'm just working in silence at home uh, and or working maybe with sounds with something that's not so, I don't even play music that loud anymore no um. So in that aspect it's something difficult for me so I'm not able to to see something unless I feel I am paying for a show. Hmm. And I realize that I'm not putting together like a, a like a huge show anyway because it's just a one man it's just a one man show. Uh but I figured at least have something that people can look at and and they can get a reaction from them. You know what I'm saying? And that to me is is one of the bigger bigger reasons why I'm wearing the mask as well. Yeah.
0: Well, now, when I want to are... give
1: people that you you are
0: one of the most i mean if you look at it solely towards drum and bass you are up there as one of the most toured artists in the drum and bass scene really and uh well that's obviously really good good stuff but um Thank you it. know looking at a tour schedule like that i mean you talk about tonight and obviously that is going to be that is going to be something that's caused that obviously having every tour schedules for years and years and years it's going to obviously build up towards wear and tear of obviously the human functions like your ears that you need very well what would you say you know in terms of looking after yourself then when you're touring what have you learned of the big do's and the big don'ts when you're obviously having a tour schedule like yours
1: uh the first thing you need to uh, the mindset you need to get out of is that it's a party uh i think i mean to, to each their own you know of course there's just gonna be people out there who are gonna probably like you know flame me for for saying this but um you know i definitely think it's a much better idea to stay off the drugs uh i, I mean I'm, I'm not an angel i'm not a saint I, i've had like, i wasn't like i wasn't like a lot of my friends were had more experience with drugs than i ever did uh because i was just never my thing but uh, you know but of course like i discovered some of them and and i realized um that I was having, I don't know, the worst time of my life. Like it wasn't helping the music. It wasn't helping maybe some of the more introspective drugs, I would say, and but in very, very uh, small amounts. And and I still think this is something that has to be studied further. Uh, like I had, I don't know, I've had in my life two LSD trips and they were very, uh, very mild because I was very calculated about it. I wasn't trying to party on LSD. I don't think that's something I would recommend to anybody because a lot of people can Go to the other side and not come back from that. Mm. Um, I remember one time it was du- during a hard techno party, and I just felt horrible. But the first time it was in the mountains, you know, next to nature. Like I had a proper sort of say. Um, uh, uh, how do you say this? Uh, um, a moment. A moment. Yeah, a, a moment. I guess. I, I mean, I, I'm losing the word that I'm trying to find here. But but it was a a, a ritual. That's the word mm. I'm looking for. It was a ritual to me. It was very enlightening ritual as well. But, but I think, you know, when it comes to, you know, just, just getting like coked up all the way, like out of control and, or drinking too much, like even if you can take it, even if you're having fun, at some point, you know, your body is going to fail. Your body is going to tell you, you can't keep doing this. And you're just going to have an early end to your career. You you see it in a lot of DJs, like I actually feel so, so sorry about it because like this is a, such great people, such like uh, lovely people. And you see them these days, like having all sorts of health problems. You know, mm-hmm. if you don't take care of your wellness now, you're going to take care of your illness later. So I think that's a big one, like proper sleep. Uh, proper nutrition, proper like I'm, I'm. also not the best at following any of his advice, but at least you know when I go to a party, I'm not like you know waiting to to get high or whatever. That mm. I don't. I don't. I don't coke all the way up to through my tours. It's it's more like you know I'm just trying to play a show. I stay in my hotel. I rest. I go to the show. I play my set. I'm out. I'm mm. not gonna expose my ears to that kind of noise the whole night. I'm just. I'm done with it. Uh, maybe I'll talk to some people, I'll stay backstage if I feel like, if I feel like a good vibe. And, you know, maybe I'll have a little bit of, um, of, uh, of from, why not? Like, I get good from like a small drink, a beer or two. Once in like, a, in like an eternity, I'll be like, okay, I want to get smashed tonight. I haven't done this in a while. And then I remember why I shouldn't do it. You know what I mean? But, yeah. but usually to me, those are the big don'ts. It's, uh, it's
0: tough though, isn't it? I mean, we, we are... As DJs and performers and artists, you are you are in an atmosphere of as obviously people letting loose and you know, you're surrounded by thousands of people where eighty percent, ninety percent of those people are gonna be off their nut on some kind of substance. Alcohol's involved and generally obviously that's gonna lose a few inhibitions, which obviously leads to drugs. So I mean it it is tough to it is tough to take that mindset and to resist it if if you're not a teetotal person, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? And being around that i mean one thing i found that was a it was a big thing for me to kind of calm down on the partying is um i started driving to gigs myself so as soon as i was able to kind of drive to gigs and things like that it stopped me from obviously getting on it, getting smashed, getting drink, you know, may, remember, I've got to go to the hotel, you know, I've got to drive back and things like that. And I think, I think when you have those responsibilities, it was probably the only thing that kind of pulled me out of it. I've never been a, I've never been somebody who's gone on a massive binge for months and months, but yeah, you know, I'd be backstage and, you know, you're going to start getting on the spirits and things like that and partying with people quite a lot very tough to do isn't it do you find that those the kind of party in the crowds were very different from drum and bass and, and metal do you find one easier to kind of keep to that regiment or anything like that
1: i think there's definitely less drugs in the metal scene hmm. there's a lot of weed but you know depending on where you think that you know whether weed is a drug or not that's it's, it's a matter of it definitely is a drug and and, and i am one of the people that um No, they say there's there's like a smaller percentage of people that that, 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 that just go on like a black hole and a bad trip every time they smoke weed. I'm one of those. I never had fun. I've been waiting for this like, you know, great vibes and and, and fun times that everyone was having. And I was like, why am I just there? Like, I fucking hated it. I hate (laughs) weed. I just can't deal with it. Sometimes it's just too much.
0: It's not a rave drug, is it? It's not. It's not, it's not, part. I mean, I don't, I don't smoke weed. I have tried weed myself, but I've never, I've never got it. I just, I don't get it personally. I I don't, I can't relax on it. just gives me, just makes me wondering what's going on and things like that. Puts me on edge a little bit. And That doesn't seem like something I'd want to be doing when I'm trying to enjoy myself and talk to people. You know what I mean? So I'm the same as well.
1: I think alcohol is just the best possible drug, really, for, for uh, you know, whether, you know, of course, everything in moderation. Yeah. But it just really, it feels right. You know, you're going to a metal concert, you're having fun with people, you have a beer, two, maybe three, and then you're like a little tipsy. And that's about enough. That's I'm really surprised
0: enough. at that, though. I mean, I've seen plenty of rock and do- metal documentaries with bands and it does sound like quite usually quite the opposite. I guess this is in the old days, though, I suppose, isn't it? So, you know, yeah, I mean, the whole sex and and strippers backstage and just bags and bags of cocaine that's the kind of thing mm. that you guess that you'd be seeing at a, a rock concert or something like that.
1: I'm assuming that at some point, like, that's what rock and roll was about. And then, well, uh, look at how all these motley crew guys are looking like and and tell yourself if you really want to have that kind of future (laughs) you know what i'm saying but um uh i think these days there's also like at least in metal concerts you know what i'm saying because i I do think there there's a bit of a distinction it's all like it all comes from the same things but but um you know you don't see people at a sepultura concert like it, it, or, or uh, i because i i remember i think it was one of the last concerts that i went to that, where i was backstage because um i'm friends with um the guys from crowbar and uh and after this uh, they introduced me to the guys from sepultura and because another friend of mine has a band where the bassist of sepultura is playing in and they were all like try, trying to connect me and stuff like you know like and, and it was great it was a great connection um there was no drugs backstage hmm. just none.
0: you talked about acceptance obviously in drum and bass and some people kind of veer away from the mask thing that's that's something that's obviously a, a non-accepted things when you get those rare occasions it happens do you have anything like that on the rock and metal side of it as well when you're doing when you're doing more of those gigs and festivals is there anything that holds people back well oh, i'm not going to watch sardonic for that
1: reason what what would it be I'm just a, but- a button pusher <laughs> you know what i mean i get it i mean they're right i don't i don't care i just i just yeah. don't care because i'm not trying to go about my life you know i, I don't measure the happiness of my life with uh, everyone's opinion on of me everyone's gonna have an opinion i don't i'll go insane if i try to make everyone happy I, of course i try to care about uh you know some of my fans but even even so like, i'm also not like afraid to tell people off if they're like overstepping because a lot of people also get a lot of entitlement you know mm-hmm. from 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 being your fan they have these expectations they, they i've had people even like show up in some of my socials and just telling me what to do and like that and you should do this and you have to do that and you have to do that. I, I, I had this really big beef with this guy at some point because he was like commenting on every single post like I, I, and like and even Creeping into my personal life. He was even writing like like a girlfriend of mine back in the day. Uh, saying something like, uh, I don't know, he wanted to do a zardonic mask for himself. And, and then he did it. And then he didn't want it. And he was asking her if she wanted to buy it. Like whatever. All sorts of like mental stuff. And I'm like, dude, fuck off. All right. <laughs> but the fuck off. What's wrong with you? Like, it, it, like This is not... You're not entitled to any of this, you're not. Why are you talking to my girlfriend?
0: Yes, yeah. so again, what, it's what one of those mind? internet walls there. You think you're superhuman and you can do anything, isn't it? When you're yeah. in front of you, so yeah. to speak,
1: or people also like following my mom and like, like trying to talk to her. Like, I've, had that. To my mom? <laughs> I've had, had that, that as well. I've had that as well. That, that I, I hate it. So I'm super protective of my family. First. Some people understand it and see it the the, the the right way, other people don't. I actually had issues with, with said girlfriend because uh, i didn't want anybody to know anything about her online not because i was trying to you know not because i was ashamed of her or because i didn't want people to know i just just don't want people to fucking mess with my girlfriend that's my personal life that's where i get out of this whole you know um it's um, protection uh, isn't it yeah you don't don't want to put too much
0: of that out there because again there's there's a lot of fans and a lot of them can overstep that mark, can't they? From the artist to the personal side of it. And you don't know who's doing that, do you? So you, you've gotta you've gotta protect it. You don't know who's yeah. gonna do it. Yeah. With That's with true. the with the metal and rock festivals and then drum and bass ones, would you say you play the same kind of set at both of these, or do you alter them to suit like at the rock and metal? Do you maybe chuck a few more actual metal tracks in there and things, or do you just full on it zardonic on both of them?
1: I mean I I try to let's say some of the more extreme remixes that I that just never worked in a drum and bass dance floor those are the ones that I play at the more metal festivals like I don't know this remix I did back in the day I haven't played that in a long time but for example this remix I did back in the day for Gorgoroth which is like like you know bands like those you don't remix bands like those period I was just like, crazy enough to want to want to, to try um uh, but so you yeah, you don't play that it's just not a rave vibe It's not a let it roll vibe that's a vibe that fits more with with, with a metal audience It's more like headbanging audience. They're they're more into like this this really intense sort of like dark feel But my live sets there as much as there are some dark moments to them like my is if you probably notice in my more recent sets they're a bit more um I would say they are a little. They have a bit more positive energy in a way. Also, because, maybe because I, I as a person, I'm also evolving. I'm, I'm. I don't feel so. I don't feel that angry anymore, man. I don't know. I don't feel. I'm getting older. I'm losing the testosterone. Yeah, yeah. it does happen. It. Happens to the best of us. It does. Yeah. So I'm just here, like I'm just here. I just want to make people happy. I want people to dance and 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 bounce. And I'm gonna play something. And then, you know, of course, in the middle of that, I still make space for for what I consider to be great music. Like there's still, I, I try to build a journey in my sets. I try to build a story in my sets. Very influenced by what Diesel Boy was doing back in the day. That's why, to me, he is the greatest drum and bass DJ of all time, in my ears, at least. That's not to say that there's no. I mean. Every every good DJ is a good DJ, but the way he approached it to me was very influential, and and I tried to use that. I tried to you know take people on a journey. I'm like, this drop is gonna work well next to this other drop. I'm not trying to triple drop all the time just to show mm-hmm. off that I can push so many buttons. And I, and I I I hate that. To me, that's like watching one of these like guitar gods and virtuosos, we like playing like ten minute solos boring. I can't i can't do i respect the skill man, the skillsmanship but but i just can't uh it's not something i can get behind i don't, I don't know why it's so uh, but but yeah um i think uh the metal crowd they do want to see a bit more of live instruments so maybe i should think about putting together a live band for that it's something i've yeah. been thinking about for a long time but just hasn't happened
0: i'm surprised uh, you haven't to be fair i would i would have definitely guessed you'd maybe have some of your live shows for the tracks as well so i
1: There you go. (laughs) Well, I mean, producing a live show for a band, something that looks like really good, it's much easier just to take this mask and a USB stick, put it on on gear that the the club provides. If the club provides the good uh, good visuals or you can give them visuals and you already have an LED screen, that's it, man. It makes it a lot easier. Um, I mean, for me to have a live band... I've heard some horror stories, man from like drum and bass bands like The Chemist, for example I mean, I don't want to I don't want to give too much details because that, that's on them It's it's not my mm. business to speak about their business, but of course working together with them We 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 became friends and we talked about about uh, a lot about some of his personal stuff like The amount of money they would get paid versus the amount of money each of them would take home I'm like no fucking way Mm-hmm. I, I, it's just not if i don't see the, the the if i don't see profit in it there's no mm-hmm. point in well, uh, it a proper live
0: show it's not just the members of who's performing there is it you've got the crew you've got the setup because you're doing a live show you probably have your own video set up and things like that as well and and lights it's a, it's a whole different ball game Isn't it really
1: yeah that's it but who knows i mean maybe if, when the time is right maybe why the hell not i would love to do it but it has to be something uh the prices would have to be very steep. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it warrants those prices right now. I would have to be losing money, and I think a lot of bands do that. Like you know, they they go on stage to prove themselves, and they lose a lot of money doing these tours because they had to prove themselves. I just I refuse to do that.
0: You're going to spend all the time converting the digital music into what's live and what's been played as well, isn't there? So there's going to be a lot, a lot to go beyond. But yeah, I'm sure that would be. Yeah. I'm sure that would be an amazing show if it came to light. It definitely would. Yeah. Let's talk about superstars. Obviously, one of the most current things that you're doing at the album. I mean, this album, it looks like a lot of work. There's tons of collaborations from the likes of you know rock vocalists like Cole Sentence. Uh, we've also got Shining, Mechanical Vane. And you've also got D&B DM producer, producer, Toronto Is Broken, who we spoke about, actually, who lives up the road from me. And a camo MC as well, UK drum and bass MC. So there's a lot of variety in this album. How long did it take for you to put it together? You're dealing with a lot of outside artists involvement here.
1: I mean, that honestly, that was the thing. Um, As I kept getting requests from the video game industry and remix requests and mix and master jobs, ironically, I started having less and less time to work on my own music. So, I was delaying this album for a while already like it was like because I wanted to sit down and put something together like antihero maybe antihero took me a bit more it was all more thought out. Um and then I was like, okay, if I am just not able to sit down and think about like what kind of music I want to write, uh I need help. So, this was my way of delegating except I don't you know, I don't hide behind uh how to say, well, we were talking about it, about it. having ghost producers like any other guy out there would just do the tracks and then just say it did it himself. I don't do that. So if I am collaborating with somebody, if somebody else is working on a track where I'm working on, the credits have to be there. All of them. Period. So so that's what I did, really. And in some cases I would write the music and then I would send it over to to get some vocals on top. Maybe in other cases, I would get maybe like a demo idea from somebody else. Like hey, do you have an idea and they would have like a couple of cool things. And from there I would build a track and then I would send it back and then and so on and so forth. Sometimes I would just write small snippets and somebody else would work more them, and so on and so forth. It's a bit it's a very 50 50 in a way. Some tracks I worked 95 percent of it. Some tracks uh, I worked only like 20 percent of them. Um, such as the case with the collaboration with Toronto's Broken. I mean, that was pretty much an old demo that he did, and I turned that into a song. I gave it the structure, I gave it a mix. Uh so it was more in like in terms of like uh using the right structure, uh doing the right mix for it, and finding a vocalist for it. And then then I went to to the guys from Dedrick and the Chris from Dedrick did the vocals for that one. Um so I was more like uh delegating and directing in, mm-hmm. in 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 some of these tracks and in other tracks i was also like taking the um, uh how to say it, the, the front line in a way mm-hmm. uh and the reason was because i just did not not have the time I was like okay while you're working on those ideas i have to finish this remix and then i finish this remix and i send it over and i do this track for this video game okay back to the record and here's bam bam and I send it again to somebody else, while you're doing those vocals, I'm gonna do this mixing master job. And so it's just, I had no time. So either it was a collaboration record or it was not gonna be a record. So that's why it's called superstars.
0: Yeah, The superstars
1: yeah. are the collaborators.
0: It is, it, it does feel like a collaboration album for you. And, and you know, looking at this, it's fair to say then a lot of these people were already in touch with you then, and you just kind of collaborated on, on certain tracks. How did you get picked up with Monarch? I mean, they're a New York City label, I believe, aren't they? I mean, what was the relationship? I know you, you've got a great one with them now, but how did that relationship start?
1: Well, uh this this was this was in 2012, I think, when they contacted me first. Uh I was I was ready to no 2013, I think. I was ready to go independent um i just didn't want to have anyone taking care of my, of my music i just wanted to release everything on my own and put it out there and just see, see how it will go and then they emailed me i had no idea who they were back in the day they were called entertainment one um as you know entertainment one sold the music uh arm of of the company and this new this music arm is what now is monarch music group but this used to be like e1 films e1 music um this is what this is what it was really um they absorbed all these different labels like Last Gang and I think Death Throw as well. Well, and and then they sold it back to to Snoop Dogg, I think. Um, and they had a who else? Well, Monarch, uh, all, all of their own labels. And and it was a big group of labels. Like they have anybody and everybody from Ace Felly of Kiss to Sack Wild and 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 all these like also really interesting modern metalcore bands. And 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 then like. R and B artists, and and and, even, and also some people that I'm not necessarily like the biggest fan of, but you know, they have a healthy variety of people, and they are very good at developing artists' careers. Uh, and uh, but they just approached me, really. I think they they wanted to go after the metal electronic sound, and they just stumbled upon a YouTube video, the Bring Back the Glory video, thanks to what the mask.
0: <laughs> because yeah, you have a thumbnail
1: with that mask And people need immediately like, what is that? It mm. was so powerful And then they hear the music And of course they stay because they like it If they don't mm. like it, then, then the gimmick would only do so much for you But it put a foot in the door for sure And that's, that was it really They just came to me So when but, they heard
0: tracks like Bring the Ruckus Was that like an instant? Yes, because they are predominantly a rock metal label so Some of this stuff was very new to them And obviously... You know waters they're treading in that they never had before did
1: they warm to tracks like that very quickly or did it take a bit of persuading here's the thing my, this is my third record with them and i was already on a three record deal and as much as they have to approve it they just trust me hmm. and that's something that's really good about them they trust the artist they trust what the artist wants to do they 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 trust that the artist knows what people will like what will not like and if, and they're also happy to take some risks I never felt that pressure from them like no you need to write this no we need that like i I was just being myself and whatever i would do they just loved it um so so yeah that was pretty much it they gave me a lot of freedom
0: so yeah i mean there's a lot on this album there's a lot of collaborations you've obviously got your head screwed on with all of this when it comes to getting the collaborations there and bringing something new i mean there's even a blue monday cover on the album as well. So it, it fits for everyone. And I cannot stress this enough for everybody to go out and check this album out. Superstars. It's available now on all platforms out there. Zardonic as well. Check his, his old stuff because this is what got me into his music originally as well. But yeah, Frederica, thank you very much for your time with this. It's been a great time, you know, it's been a great time learning about your history and uh obviously reminiscing for myself on some of the music as well. So it's been great.
1: Thank you so much for having me, man. And yeah, I mean, if anything, I'm sorry I can't keep talking because I'm pretty sure we can always go for hours talking about a thousand things. But you know, I guess this is a good uh, amount of time and information for an interview. But you know, anytime you want to do this again, just let me know. I will always be here for you at your, you know, at at your at your call and yeah. It <laughs> We'll, do, we'll definitely
0: do something again. We'll look towards the next project, see what's coming next as well. But have you got uh, a few plugs that you want to put out there? We're we'll obviously plug superstars. Anything else going on you want to let people know about?
1: Um, some things I am not supposed to be talking about yet. But, um, I mean, sorry, there's already a new remix that I did that came out last Friday. It's a remix I did together with Pythias uh, of Cell Dweller, seminal Track, Shapeshifter, the one that was on Need for Speed. Yeah. Um, Blackout uh, release. That isn't it. I and the love that this wasn't fixed music. Fixed I love music. how that remix came out. Like, like, I'm super, super proud of it. Of like, and, and also like, of course, like, freaking Pythias is a master of freezes. So you know that was an easy one. And and um and I th- I think this is a great release as well. I think people should go check it out, and also stay tuned for for more collaborations, more remixes coming up. Um, there's another one that I just did for Blue Stally and dj hyper uh, And there's gonna be more for for well For some of the other bands that i've been doing remixes for before i'm doing more of that Um, there's a remix for noisia that i'm working on. Uh, I know Well, <laughs> I'm not sure if I should be talking about it because <laughs> the way the way they work is They only release what they like. Yeah, I mean I'm gonna have to like it. Come on. But I'm gonna, I'm actually gonna work my, my ass off to make sure that this is like something really out there. I want this to be very epic. I want it to be a tribute to what I believe is uh, the wow. greatest drum and bass act of all, all time, the greatest drum and bass producers of all time, and uh, celebrating their legacy and, uh, well, very uh, sad and confused about uh, such yeah. a terrible business decision of quitting. <laughs> what yeah. the hell? Amazing but Amazing. fair enough you know they if if they that's their choice i respect them as of course as, as people and as human beings first and foremost uh and i'm glad that they're now giving people all, all these opportunities so well say it's, it's a mic drop moment at
0: the the peak of their career isn't it it's like there we yeah. go all done but yeah, yeah it's, it's a goes. good way
1: it's a good way to 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 go I guess. Oh, you sorry that's gotta be there for sure and uh i'm hoping they will like it i'll work my ass off so they like it but i'm not gonna say which track yet but um it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting
0: i'll i'll be in touch i need to i need to hear this i need to hear (laughs) it i'll be in touch i'm very impressed already by the sounds of you and noise collaborating well listen i know you push for time thank you so much for taking this with us today it's been amazing as i said don't forget to go and buy and stream superstars that's the end of this episode catch you very soon for another one cheers What's up everyone, Leo HF here, the host of Yo d Raps. Thank you for watching our videos. If you like what you're hearing and seeing on the channel, please make sure you're subscribing to it. Please make sure you thumbs up the videos and more importantly, let's get some comments going as well. It really helps the channel and in order for us to provide this content to you, we do need the channel to grow. So we can't do this without your help. Hope you enjoy the video. Speak to you soon.